Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz! And welcome everybody to The Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one. Scotty Freytown, along with the very torrid Tyler Dean. Tyler, how are we doing? We're doing well. It's been a crazy day, crazy, crazy Wednesday evening, crazy week in the NFL. It, it's been a crazy week in the NFL. I think last week was crazier, but it's definitely been a crazy week. Well, I think a lot of I'm I'm going to say this is uh, the week of everybody kind of coming back down to earth. Um, seems like like the the stars are starting to align and. The world is starting to right itself a little bit um, here in the NFL. Uh, I, I mean, I got to tell you, I, the 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 games that we saw this week are starting to be reminiscent of the games we saw last year. The teams are starting to turn into the teams that we saw last year. It's starting to become very reminiscent. We've seen a few surprises here and there, but I mean, teams have come down to earth. Players have come down to earth. Certain guys have come off that pedestal, come back from the moon. Well, well some teams. Some are starting to soar. Some have. Some have really come back down to earth, and it's been a, a very, very fun week in the NFL. So, ladies and gentlemen, with that, it is time for your NFL scores around the league. Here we go. Um, first and foremost, Tyler, the Minnesota Vikings get beat by the St. Louis L.A. Las Vegas Rams. Uh, Yeah, I don't know who they are anymore. Uh, Huge game for for both offenses. Kirk Cousins, 36 for 50, 422, three touchdowns. Uh, Big game for him. They couldn't get anything going on the ground. Uh, Cousins actually led the team in rushing, four carries for 28 yards. But the big stories here were the receiving team. Once again, Adam Thielen, eight receptions, 135 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs. 11 receptions for 123. Kyle Rudolph, five receptions for 57 yards. And the other two touchdowns were caught by the newly signed Eldrick Robinson. Two receptions for 33 yards. He gets two touchdowns on the day. Um, He's paying dividends by them signing them. On the other side with the Rams, Jared Goff has himself a game. 26 for 33, 465, five touchdowns. Todd Gurley had 17 carries for 83 yards. Uh, the big story on the receiving end was Cooper Cup, nine receptions for 162 yards, just a whopping number, two touchdowns on top of it. Brandon Cooks, seven receptions for 116 and a touchdown. Robert Woods, five receptions for 101 and a touchdown. And even Todd Gurley got in the receiving game, four receptions for 73 yards and a touchdown. Huge game uh, for both teams as the Rams topped the Vikings 38-31. to Tyler, what you got for me? Houston Texans and the Colts. The, the Houston Texans go up 37-34 in the, in the closing seconds of overtime. Both teams are now 1-3. Deshaun Watson went 29-42, 375 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Lamar Jackson led the team in rushing with 14 carries and 49 yards. Deshaun Watson also had another 41 yards, also getting in the end zone. DeAndre Hopkins led the team with 10 receptions, 169 yards and a touchdown. But Kiki Cooney also got in for 11 receptions and 109 yards. Will Fuller also had a touchdown of the game. On the Colts side, Andrew Luck went 40 for 62, 464 yards, and, a t- and four touchdowns. Woo! 
big game. Yeah, monster game for old Andrew Luck. There, there you go. Where's that fan card of yours? Yeah, right, right. Andrew Luck's back right here. There it Look is. Look at this game. Um, Jordan Wilkins left the team with uh, eight carries and 16 yards. Rushing games didn't take off. And T.Y. Hilton had four receptions, 115 yards. What do you got? The Green Bay Packers shut out the Buffalo Bills, um, 22 to nothing. Uh, Josh Allen, uh, just another rough game, 16 for 33, 151, two interceptions. He came back down to earth this week. Uh, topping the list in the rushing department was LaShawn McCoy with only five carries for 24 yards. Charles Clay and Zay Jones each had four receptions. Clay had 40 yards. Jones had 38. Um, over on the Packers side, Aaron Rodgers had a very human game, uh, as you like to put it, Tyler. 22 for 40 for 298. He had a touchdown. He had an interception. Um, Aaron Jones led the team in rushing, 11 carries for 65 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Adams led the team in receiving eight receptions for 81 yards. Geronimo Allison also saw some time, six receptions for 80 yards. Tyler, what you got? I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears. Bears put a whopping on the Buccaneers, 48-10. The Bears go to 3-1. Tampa drops to 2-2 after a 2-0 start. Jameis Winston um, led the team at quarterback with 16 for 20 at 1.5 yards, a touchdown, two receptions. But he did not start the game. And Ryan Fitzpatrick had 9 for 18, 126 yards, and a reception. Ronald Jones, the second, had 10 carries at 29 yards. The rushing game was really off and Sean Jackson yet again five receptions 112 yards we could not get the end zone. Cameron Bray had the only touchdown there for the Bucks. On the Bears side, Mitch Trubisky with 19 to 26, 354 yards and six touchdowns. Big game there by Trubisky. Terry Cohen with 13 carries and 53 yards, but uh, Mitch Trubisky also ran the ball for 53 yards as well. And Taryn Cohen led the team at receiving with 121 yards on seven receptions and a touchdown. But Tyler Gabriel had seven receptions, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. What do you got, Scott? The New England Patriots bring the Miami Dolphins back down to earth, 38-7. to um, The Dolphins just struggled mightily all game long. Ryan Tannehill, 11 for 20, 100 yards and a pick. Brock Osweiler got to get on the field. He went four for five for 35 yards and a touchdown. Frank Gore had 11 carries for 41 yards. Kenny Stills led the Dolphins in receiving three receptions for 40 yards. As for the Patriots, Tom Brady showing why he is the man. 23 for 35, 274, and three touchdowns. He also did have two interceptions on the game. The rushing game was actually the big story here for New England. Sony Michael has a big coming out party. 25 carries for 112 yards and a touchdown. James White also got some carries. Eight carries for 44 yards and a touchdown. White also led the team in receiving with eight receptions for 68 yards and a touchdown, as well as Philip Dorsett had four receptions for 55 and one touchdown. Tyler, what you got for me? I have the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys go up in the Lions 26-24 on a game-winning field goal. Cowboys move up 2-2, two and, two and the Lions fall with 1-3. Matt Stafford with 24-30, 307 yards with two touchdowns. Carryon Johnson led the team in rushing eight carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Golden Tate had a big game with eight, eight receptions, 132 yards, and two touchdowns. On the Cowboys' side, Dak Prescott with 17 27, 255 yards, and two touchdowns. Ezekiel Elliott had 25 carries, 152 yards. But he also led the team in receiving with four receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Monster game for Elliott. Big, big game there for Elliott. What do you got? The uh, Cincinnati Bengals squeaked by the Atlanta Falcons. 
37 to 36. Andy Dalton, 29 for 41, 337 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Giovanni Bernard had 15 carries for 69 yards, could hit the end zone two times. Tyler Boyd showing up again, 11 receptions for 100 yards. A.J. Green, four receptions for 78 yards. He got in the end zone. John Ross and Tyler Eifert uh, both got in the end zone as well. With the Falcons, Matt Ryan, 29 for 39, 419 yards, three touchdowns. Monster game for Matt Ryan. Tevin Coleman with 14 carries for 51 yards. Ito Smith, seven carries for 35 yards. He did get in the end zone that game. Julio Jones, however, with a monster, monster game. Nine receptions for 173 yards. Muhammad, Muhammad Sanu also had six receptions for 111. Calvin Ridley continues to be a touchdown monster. Four receptions for 54 yards, so his receptions are down, but he did have two TDs in this game. Uh, Logan Paulson also had a touchdown as well. Tyler, hit me. Jacksonville Jaguars and the New York Jets. Jacksonville Jaguars go up 31 to 12, and they go up to 3 and 1. The Jets fall to 1 and 3. Sam Darling with 17 to 34, 167 yards and a touchdown. Lau Powell left the team with 8 carries and 26 yards. Quincy Anuwa had 4 receptions and 66 yards. It was, it was Jordan Leggett who had the touchdown for, for the Jets. Yep. On the Jaguars side, Blake Bowles with 29 to 38, 388 yards, 2 touchdowns and interception. T.J. Yeldon had 18 carries and 52 yards and a touchdown. D.D. Westbrook had nine receptions of 130 yards, and Dante Moncrief had five receptions, 109 yards, and a touchdown. T.J. Yeldon also got the end zone through the air as well. What do you got? The Tennessee Titans squeaked by the Philadelphia Eagles 26-23 in overtime. Uh, the Titans... Um, just a shocking upset, but Carson Wentz uh, on the Eagles side returns to the field, 33 for 50. Uh, he was back last week. Was he back last week? Yeah. I, th I thought he was back this week. 33 for 50, 348 yards, two touchdowns. Jay Ajayi had 15 carries for 70 yards. Uh, Zach Ertz, 10 receptions for 112. Alshon Jeffrey had eight receptions on the day um, for 105 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Matthews also had on his lone reception a 56-yard touchdown. Big game for the Eagles. Over on the Titans side, Marcus Mariota, 30 for 43, 344, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Mariota also led the team in rushing, 10 carries for 46 yards, and he got in the end zone. Corey Davis, huge game for the Titans. Uh, nine receptions, 161, and a touchdown. Uh, Taewon Taylor also had a pretty good game, seven receptions for 77 yards. DJ Lewis got some catches, nine receptions for 66 yards, and to Jay Sharp. Got into the end zone one time and also had two receptions for 27. Tyler, hit it. Cleveland Browns at the Raiders. The Raiders go up 45-42 in overtime. The Raiders are now 1-3. That was their first win, and the Browns fall to 1-2-1. Baker Mayfield had a very lackluster day, in my opinion, going 21-41, a 50% completion rate there, 295 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. What kept Cleveland in this game was Nick Chubb with three carries on 105 yards and two touchdowns. He had two rushes where he just uh, broke yeah. the line and he, just took off. He just tore it up. Big man was rumbling. And then Carlos Hyde also had 22 carries and 82 yards and got in the end zone. So the rushing game is really what saved this, what made this game closer. The receiving, uh, Richard Higgins had four receptions, 61 yards, two touchdowns in the air were Jarvis Landry and Darren Bells. On the, oh no, I lost it. Oh, good. look at you go. Fat fingers, I got, I got fat fingers. Um, really? Got fat fingers. Derek Carr with 35-58, 437 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. 
Marshawn Lynch had 20 carries on 130 yards. Big game by Lynch. Mm -hmm. And then Amari Cooper had eight receptions on 128 yards and a touchdown. And Jared Cook had eight receptions on 10 yards and two touchdowns. Nelson also got in the end zone. What do you got? The uh, Seattle Seahawks move past the Arizona Cardinals, 20 to 17. Arizona goes to 0 and 4. Seattle moves up to 2 and 2. Uh, Russell Wilson, 19 for 26, 172 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions at all. But Mike Davis, 21 carries for 101 yards, hits the end zone twice. Uh, Tyler Lockett led the team in receiving five receptions for 53. Doug Baldwin also had five receptions for 41 yards. Over on the Cardinals side, Josh Rosen, 15 for 27, 180 yards and a touchdown. Uh, David Johnson had a decent game, 22 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown. Ricky Seals-Jones, the tight end, uh, two receptions for 52 yards. David Johnson also had three receptions for 41 yards. Um, very low scoring, very boring game over there with the Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Tyler, hit me. New Orleans Saints beat the Giants 33-18. The Saints go up to 3-1. The Giants fall to 1-3. <coughs> Drew Brees goes 18 for 32, 217 yards. But it was the rushing game where things went to Elvis. Alvin Kamara Woo! with 19 carries, 134 yards, and three touchdowns. He's fighting for that starting job with Ingram coming back. <laughs> Not to be outdone that he had another 47 yards in the air. Wow. But leading the team through the air was Josh Hill with three receptions, three yards. I mean, Alvin was the story of that game. Eli Manning on the Giants' side went 31 for 41, 255 yards, and a touchdown. Saquon Barkley had 10 carries at 44 yards and a touchdown. And then he threw the air, it was Sterling Shepard on 10 receptions on 77 yards and a touchdown. What do you got? The San Francisco 49ers, the, the Jimmy Garoppolo list. Uh, San Francisco 49ers drop to the LA Chargers 27 to 29. CJ Bethard makes his debut, his starting debut, 23 for 37, 298, two touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Matt Breda led the team in rushing, nine carries for 39 yards. He comes back down to earth. George Kittle, wow, again, another monster game for Kittle. Six receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Pierre Garçon, four receptions for 52. Kendrick Bourne also had three receptions for 34 yards. Um, on the Chargers side, Phillip Rivers, 25 for 39, 250, three touchdowns and a pick. Uh, Melvin Gordon got a hefty amount of carries and great amount of yards, 15 carries, 104 yards. Uh, Keenan Allen led the team in receiving seven receptions for 63 yards. Melvin Gordon also had seven receptions for 55 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Tyrell Williams, three receptions, 48. And Austin Eckler, again, showing up, that, that weird name. Two receptions for 31 yards and a touchdown. And, and uh, old man Antonio Gates. Gets back in the end zone. Two receptions for 27 yards and one touchdown. Tyler, what you got for me? It's my, it's my birthday gift. Yeah, oh boy. The Baltimore Ravens go up on the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-14 on the road. The Ravens are now 3-1. The Steelers fall to 1-2-1. and one. Joe Flacco had himself a good game on 28-42. Three yards and two touchdowns. Alex Collins of the team with 11 carries and 42 yards. And Jarvis Allen also had 10 carries and 30 yards. John Brown wow. blew up again. Monster game. Three receptions, 116 yards, and a touchdown. And Alex Collins also had a, had, a, had a touchdown as well. On the Steelers' side, Big Ben with 27 for 47, 274, one touchdown, one pick. James Conner only had 19 yards and nine carries. And Vance McDonald and the team with five receptions, 62 yards. Antonio Brown did have a touchdown goal with five carries and 62 yards as well. 
The Kansas City Chiefs uh, top the Denver Broncos in a in a thrilling come from behind victory uh, executed by Patrick Mahomes and Kareem Hunt here. Uh, Mahomes 28 for 45, 304 and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt 19 carries for 121 yards and a touchdown. Mahomes also had three carries for seven yards. He got into the end zone one time with his legs. Travis Kelsey seven receptions, 78 yards and a touchdown. Demetrius Harris also had two receptions for 59 yards. Tyreek Hill, nine receptions for 54. And Kareem Hunt, uh, three receptions for 54. Uh, the uh, Chiefs spreading the ball out a little bit there. The Broncos uh, side, Case Keenum, 21 for 33, 245. He did have an interception in the game. Philip Lindsay, 12, rece- or, I'm sorry, 12 carries, 69 yards and a touchdown. Royce Freeman also had eight carries for 67 yards and a touchdown. A little bit of running back by committee over there. Uh, Jeff Hewerman. Four receptions for 57 yards. Cortland Sutton, three for 51. Emmanuel Sanders, five for 45. Uh, very pass-happy, spreading-it-out kind of game. Uh, very interesting game um, for the Denver Broncos there. And with that, Tyler, our scores are completed um, for this uh, for this momentous occasion. Now, we got to talk... Um, we got to talk uh, some kind of a special segment. We're going to go into it. I hope you're excited. Are you excited, Tyler? I'm always excited. Are you fired up, Tyler? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, it, it is that time for... Tyler's Top Ten! All right. Well, top Ten Performances of the Week brought to you by Tyler Dean. And we're on week four. We're quarter way to the season. We really? Yeah. We're man. It's kind of going by kind of quick. It's a little sad. Yeah, it's a little sad. I love football season. It's going to be, a, and you know, it'll slow down around Christmas time. That's what we're expecting. It always does. Oh yeah. It always seems like it starts dragging when the snow starts falling. We we all get kind of, kind of just you know saddened by the the snow and it's all dreary outside and all that stuff. It'll drag by. We get to about week twelve. It'll start dragging. For sure. Yeah, it always happens every year around that December. Well, week 12 is kind of when teams are kind of falling out of the mix, too. So yeah, yeah. Certain fans start to uh, kind of... Kind of disappear. Yeah. You don't get to hear it about uh, about as much as we, we get to in the first you know weeks of the season. So, Tyler, your top 10 performances of the week, man. This one was tough. It, big week. Big week, I mean, especially offensively. It was a monster, monster week from an offensive standpoint. Just, just, just listen to my my, my honorable mentions here. You're gonna wonder, wow, that, that's a top ten performance. But yeah, yeah. Um, his quick little honorable mentions here. Andrew Luck had a big game. He had the the, the most uh, yards by a quarterback this season so far on on four and four yards and four touchdowns. He misses the top ten due to the accuracy. Yeah, yeah. He threw the ball sixty two times. Yeah, that that's a lot of throwing. Uh, and, and, you know, I would hope that you'd hit that amount of yardage, you know, throwing the ball as much as you do. Right, but still hats off to the, the most yarded point of the season. And, and also hats off to Andrew Luck because he still managed to come out of those 62 passes, he still managed to complete two-thirds of his passes. Which is like your, your average point. You want to right. complete, complete about 60, 65%. Yeah, but, I mean, usually when you see a guy, you know, throwing the ball that much, you're going to see him complete about 50% of their passes, so... Um, to, for him to, to, to get two-thirds of the way up there, I mean, get 66% completion percentage, I'm pretty impressed. Next we have Mike Davis. Uh, he had 21 carries, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Oh. Another performance you'd think it'd be top 10. I mean, broke 100 yards, two touchdowns. 
hit the end zone twice. I mean, but but he did narrowly, narrowly, and I'm I'm going to say that he barely broke the hundred mark. And so I could see why it keeps it out of him out of the, the top ten. So I'm a big big fan of guys who are important to the game. So to me, this number screams louder than Mike Davis. You get James White with 112 yards scrimmage. So it's both through the air and, and the ground. Yeah, he changed the game for, for New England. And he had two touchdowns as well. But yep. Also, not quite enough to break that top, in my opinion. Yeah. And Jared Cook had eight receptions, 110 yards, and two touchdowns as well. Yep, huge so game. big game. Huge game. And also just missing the, the top 10 years, Corey Davis. Wow. Nine receptions, 161 yards, and a touchdown. The fact that 161 yards misses the top 10 is incredible to me. Absolutely. So, the top 10. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold you on for a minute. I'm going to stop you because there was one guy that, well, I, I don't know if he's in your top 10. I kind of hope he's I, – I don't think he would be, judging by the guys that you're naming off. I, I don't think that he's going to be in your top ten. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold up uh, a name here, and so you're gonna do a forgotten one. Well, for, forgotten. Well, are you, I, are, are you gonna go start I'm, saying he's not here? I, I'm, I'm gonna assume that he's not there. Um, he had a monster game this week. Uh, I, I want you to look at his name before I, I drop him, because I don't want to ruin your top ten. Because I'm a nice guy. I like to think I'm a nice guy. Is he in your top 10, Tyler? No, he's not. Okay, I'm going to go with Sony Michael. Uh, 25 attempts, 112 yards. He did hit the end zone. Um, big coming out party for, for Sony Michael um, this week. I, I, he's outdone by a guy in his team with just many yards. Well, well my, my problem comes in where, where at the end of the day, he's a running back. And, and it's a lot harder to get yardage, I think, anyway, through, through the ground than through the air, especially when you're taking on a, a Dolphins team, really, I mean, that's been playing really well uh, all, all around. So I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Sony Michael. I think he's, he's an honorable mention as well. I think he, he provided a big spark, and, and it was a big, like I said, a big coming out party for, for him against the Dolphins. I'm impressed with Sony Michael this week. We'll see if he, he can continue that, and we'll see if uh, the Patriots give him a bigger workload. But that's my, my forgotten my forgotten one for this one, anyway. <laughs> so anyway, go for it, Tyler. It's all you. Number ten, DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh. Ten receptions, 169 yards, and a touchdown. That puts him. That put him on the top ten, just over Corey Davis. Yeah. By eight yards. Yeah. Hopkins had a big game, um, and, and this is the type of game that you've been expecting out of DeAndre Hopkins. He's actually having a very, very good year already. Um, he's already got 30 receptions for 443. He's got two touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins is great. He's going to continue to be great. Um, he's only 26 years old. He's got a lot of tread on the tires. I like DeAndre Hopkins, and I like this pick. Huge game for him. Absolutely. Number nine, I decided to do a uh, two-way split. A two-way split? I gave two guys number nine. Really? You, you have a tie? Most their stats were. You have a tie at number nine? So theoretically, I have 11 in the top ten. This is bullshit. It's well, Tyler's top 11, then. I mean, do you want Kirk Cousins in here or not? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. It's Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins. Oh, gotcha. They both had very similar stat lines to me. Matt Ryan with 29 for 39, got a steady four completion rate, 419 yards, three touchdowns. Yep. Kirk Cousins, 36 for 50, 72% completion rate, 422 yards. 
and three touchdowns. Yep. Very, very identical. Matt Ryan's a little more accurate. Cousins had a couple more yards. Yeah, it, it, it kind of, you know, it's, it, it was a close one. Um, Cousins uh, had a monster game on Thursday Night Football. I was so impressed at his ability to keep up with um, such a high-powered team like the Rams. Um, he played such good ball. Uh, and, and then you got Matt Ryan, who, I mean, he had a monster game, 419 yards, 74.4 completion percentage. Neither of them threw an interception. Both of them had very high quarterback ratings. Um, I, I'm just overall impressed with both of them. I think they're both just – they're balling out for those monster contracts that they got. They're showing that they're worth those contracts, both those guys. Um, Matt Ryan got signed to the big deal. Uh, uh, Kirk Cousins got signed to the, the big deal. I I absolutely love the way they're playing. It's very entertaining to watch, especially you know with how many points are getting scored in their games too. I mean, and, and it's passing touchdowns. I mean, you you see Matt Ryan hitting Calvin Ridley two times. It's five times in the last two weeks. That's five touchdowns between yeah. Matt Ryan and Calvin oh, yeah. Ridley. And then you go over to to uh, Kirk Cousins. He likes to spread the ball out a lot, but he's hitting Diggs. He's hitting Thielen. This week he was hitting Eldrick Robinson. He hit Thielen. Eldrick Robinson starts paying dividends. Kirk Cousins, you know, gets the ball to him. And I guess the reason they picked up Eldrick Robinson was because Kirk Cousins said, hey, I've played with this guy in the past. I love both these picks. I think you're absolutely spot on. Both these quarterbacks had monster performances. Number eight, Todd Gurley. Oh, yeah, he had a big day. 156-yard scrimmage and hand a touchdown. He, he, was, he was there in the air, he's there in the yard. Todd Gurley is a focal point. Well, Todd Gurley is a focal point of this offense, but there are so many other pieces of this offense. This is a scary team. But Todd Gurley sitting here is the third highest round on my list. Todd Gurley, um, and, and this team, you know, he's the heart and soul of their offense. I mean, a lot of people want to put it on Goff, and I understand Goff had five touchdowns. Goff is still the guy that, that has the ball the most out of anybody. But if you look at, at the way that they utilize Todd Gurley and how scary of a weapon he is on the ground, through the air, he gets in the end zone, he can run the ball effectively. This last game he had you know 17 carries for 83 yards. I'm willing to bet good money if he broke the 20 mark, he was going to hit over 100 yards. Without a doubt. And, and he was already at 83 after 17 attempts. Then he goes through the air and he gets a bunch of, I mean, he gets a bunch of yardage. He gets a touchdown through the air. Um, he, he, I mean, and, and let's face it, he went and completely faked out Anthony Barr in the end zone, uh, to get that touchdown. It, it was just a, a great play call by Sean McVay, but it was also a great play by Gurley. Uh, this offense runs through Todd Gurley first. It's not a Jared Goff day. It's a Todd Gurley day. Anytime that that offense is on the field. So I love this pick. Great, great choice. Yeah. In, in my fantasy league, I, I traded up to the first pick to make sure I had Gurley. I knew, I knew I was going to have him. You know he's going to get in the end zone a, a one to three times a game. Absolutely. Yep. Number seven, Tarek Cohen, 174-yard scrimmage and a touchdown. He was, he was another guy who was, he was there in the run. He was there in the pass. Um, most of his yards came through the air, and he got, I believe he was 134, 130-some-ish through the mm -hmm. end, and then the other, half, other uh, 40, 50 was on the ground. Cohen had a monster game, seven receptions, um, just huge. And to put up 53 yards on 13 attempts was not too shabby. Uh, he had a 4.1 average. I mean, last game he had a, a really high average. Um, the Bears are seeing a lot of work out of, out of Tariq Cohen. Um, and, and he's their change of pace back right now. I still believe uh, Jordan Howard 
should be their primary running back. But Cohen is, is showing up and, and proving that he is a versatile weapon. And I believe that Tariq Cohen, when he takes that starting position from Jordan Howard, because I don't think it's a matter of if, I think it's a matter of when. I think if Jordan Howard has the unfortunate issue of an injury or whatever the case may be, Cohen's going to wind up taking over that spot. Um, he's been lighting up everybody. He's been a really sp- big spark for that offense. He's been a great weapon uh, for Trubisky. I like Tariq Cohen. I, I think he's fantastic. He's a great runner. He's got a lot of speed to him, great hands, um, just awesome. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited. And in that game, he had 184 total yards. That's insane. So uh, great game for, for Cohen there. Number six, Golden Tate. Eight receptions, 132 yards, two touchdowns. Woo! Tate hits the end zone twice. Cole was a, Tate had a, had, a, had a big game there for Detroit and, and was a big reason why they were able to stay in that game. Yeah, Tate, um, he impressed me in this game. And, and it's the first game this season where, where Tate has really been super impressive. Eight receptions, 132. He finally gets in the end zone. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was against a, a Dallas defense that that is supposed to be, you know, uh, a pretty decent defense. And, and Golden Tate found ways to get open. Um, he was he, And he, he brought the, the Lions back from the doldrums there and, and had them take the lead. Uh, I like Golden Tate. I think he's a hell of a receiver. Um, he had a great game, 132, two touchdowns, eight receptions. You can't deny it. Uh, Matt Stafford has his number one weapon there. He's going to continue being his number one weapon, hopefully uh, for Golden Tate's sake. Um, he's in a contract year, so hopefully these types of performances will will reflect on his contract moving forward. This five is tough. Top five is tough. Top tough. Right. Yep. Uh, well, no doubt. I mean, we had a lot of guys that were close, and we had a lot of big games, a lot of monster games. Number five. Cooper Cup. Ooh, wow. Nine receptions, 162 yards, and two touchdowns. I'm surprised that he's not higher. Cooper Cup had an incredible game. Monster game. Uh, Cooper, Cooper Cup um, finally, and, and I'm going to say finally arrived. Uh, Cooper Cup, he, he's been gradually moving upwards in the stat department. Um, he had six for 63 yards, and then he had four for 71 yards, and then he had nine for 162, two touchdowns. Um, he hit the end zone last week. He hits the end zone twice this week. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there right now. Um, he burned, burned, burned. But first of all, he he fakes out Mackenzie Alexander, which turned into a missed assignment, and and it caused Anthony Barr to have to cover him. Anthony Barr gets torched by Cooper Cup, which I'm actually kind of surprised by because technically Anthony Barr ran a faster forty time than Cooper Cup, but. He also went through and caught a touchdown pass in double coverage. Not, I mean, through and I mean, it was a perfect throw by Jared Goff. We'll give it to the guy. Um, but he, he catches his touchdown pass through uh, Hughes and Trey Waynes, just standing there. I mean, he he caught it. I mean, it was a perfect catch. It was a beautiful catch. He faked them both out. Um, Cooper Cup was a monster in this game. He had a, a, just a great game. He was a total spark plug. I love this pick. Number four, Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke. 240 yards scrimmage and a touchdown. I'm, I'm actually somewhat surprised he's not higher either. Uh, Ezekiel had a, a huge game. He was the, 
the almost the lone bright spot for the Cowboys. Absolutely. I mean, really. You, just what a game. Yeah, huge game. Um, you know, we, we always talk about how uh, the Dallas Cowboys offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott, and we've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, we, we've seen Ezekiel Elliott just dominate. 152 yards on the ground. Um, I just, <laughs> it's, it's mind-boggling. 25 attempts, 152 yards. He had a 6.1 average. We knew the Lions' uh, rush defense was bad. We didn't think it was that bad. Um, he had four receptions for 80-plus yards. I mean, huge game for Zeke. He keeps them in this game, uh, keeps the Dallas Cowboys relevant in this game. Lions had no answer for him. It was just an amazing game for Ezekiel Elliott. I like this pick. Um, I might flip-flop Cup and Elliott, depending, just because Cup got in the end zone more. But ultimately, Zeke had a huge, huge game. Uh, so I like this selection. This next one's probably the one that you'll probably move down a little bit. But I, there's one there's one stat he had that is kind of had to head through here. Mm-hmm. Number three, Mitch Trubisky. Wow. 19 for 26. 73% accuracy, 354 yards, six touchdowns. Yes. Now, that alone would have put him at five under Elliott and Cup. But I decided to give, give him the nod with his additional 53 yards on the ground. Yes. Um, the Bears had a huge game. They brought the, the Bucks down to earth. Um, Trubisky, he is, and I think he's proving that he is the franchise quarterback going forward of the Chicago Bears. He is the guy. The guy. And he's the future of the NFL. Um, A lot of people didn't believe in Mitch Trubisky. I did when he got drafted. Um, Despite the small sample size, I felt he was the best quarterback in that draft class, and he's proving it. Um, 73% completion percentage, I think that stands out. You know what stat actually stands out to me, Tyler, is the 154.6 passer rating. Yep. Wow. I mean, that's a game this this game is reminiscent of the uh, week two game that we that I did give uh, Mahomes the number one nod for. Yeah, he he neared perfect in this game, and I, I think that that says uh, um, boatloads about Mitchell Trubisky and what he's capable of and and what they can do. And he's also brought this team, and and he's the the catalyst that brings that team because a lot of people were talking about Mitchell Trubisky and how he was putting up like iffy numbers through the first couple of weeks. Now he puts up that type of number. And you know what type of monster he is, especially against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have been red hot moving into the season. Uh, Trubisky takes his team to the—they're in first place right now, three and one. They're—they're they're a great team. They're dominating. So I'm—I'm uh, I'm impressed with Mitch Trubisky. This was a good selection. I like it. Now, I'd be perfectly thrilled with those three being my one, two, three. Mm-hmm. But can you believe it's two better? I can't believe it. I mean, you know who they probably are. I, I, I know general. who one is. I know who one of them is. Number two. I, I, I um, was animated and say his name earlier. I'm going to do it again. Alvin Kamara. Yeah, Alvin had a monster game. 181-yard scrimmage, which is under Elliott, but Kamara got in the, in the end zone three times on the ground. Yeah, he was the, the spark for the Saints uh, this week. Um, I just, Wow. This guy is is something special. I mean, you know, we were always talking about how um, the Saints wanted to sign Jimmy Graham under a contract of being a, um, the the quote was, offensive weapon was what they wanted to call him. I think Elvin Kamara actually, Elvin Kamara, like, he embodies that 
mindset of offensive weapon. Um, he can pe- he can catch. He Golf can run. And, and Camaro week to week. Just uh, just decimate defenses through the air, on the ground, and whatever they need them to do. These two are just incredible. Right, and we got to understand. I I understand that Alvin Kamara. The only reason I would I would probably take him down maybe just a little bit is because of who he was taking on. You know, we have to understand that that the New Orleans Saints were taking on an abysmal New York Giants team, um, and and the Giants are are basically you know sitting in the basement over here. Um, you know, awaiting their next franchise quarterback and, you know, Super Bowl hopes, you know, but ultimately Alvin Kamara, um, I'm impressed with him. He's, he's proving to be the number one back to me over there in New Orleans. I, I don't know what Ingram's going to bring to the table, um, but Alvin Kamara, if, if Ingram's not performing, he's earned that spot. He deserves to be that number one running back. I like this pick anyway. I mean, even if I would move him down, I still like the pick. I'm not, I'm curious to see how if, if I can sit here putting Kamara in my number two spot next week with Ingram back. Oh yeah, but number one, you he burnt you all all night on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Twenty six for 33, 78 yard completion percentage, four hundred sixty five yards of the year, five touchdowns. I'm talking about Jared Goff. Oh yeah, um, big big game by Goff. Seventy eight percent completion rating. Um. That that is that is huge. Perfect passer rating. Per, perfect passer rating. Um, mm-hmm. um, north of four hundred yards through the air, five touchdowns. Golf was on fire, and like you said, on that one of the touchdowns he caught, it was a perfect throw by 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 golf. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it's one inch in either direction, it's either not caught or picked off. Now, golf all season long, he's been putting up really good numbers. I'm not going to say he's been putting up bad numbers, but we've been seeing that touchdown number. Increase and increase and increase and and that yardage number increasing and increasing. We we just keep seeing that yardage number up there. His passer rating going higher and higher and higher. Unfortunately, he can't go any higher now. Right, right, right. But we you know he hits that perfect passer rating. Five touchdowns, four sixty five. Huge, huge game. He was hitting guys all over the field. He played well in the red zone. Um, he he dumped a, a perfect pass over Cooper Cup's shoulder um, when he was when he was being chased by Anthony Barr, who who clearly was out of his out of his realm here, um, trying to protect against uh, uh, Cooper Cup. Um, he he dumps one perfectly in the end zone over to uh, uh, um, Cup when when he's being covered by by Trey Waynes and and Mike Hughes. He he dumps one. I mean, and and he throws up. I mean, straight up bullet. I'm, I'm going to say bullet straight to uh, uh, Brandon Cooks in the end zone, uh, right over the top of, of Anthony Barr's head. I mean, Jared Goff was the story of that game. Even I mean, I think both quarterbacks were the story, but Jared Goff was more of a story than Kirk Cousins. Um, I'm impressed with Jared Goff. I, I and, you know when he got drafted in the in the NFL in the first round, a lot of people were saying Wentz is the better quarterback. Wentz is the guy you're going to want to take. I think Jared Goff. Sitting here a couple of years in is is now going to hell with y'all. I'm going to show you guys that I'm in the MVP talks, and 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 he's proving it. He's proving he is an MVP caliber athlete. I like this. I think he's right there in in competition with guys like Mahomes right now. Um, Jared Goff is a hell of a performer. He's a hell of an athlete. He's a, a hell of a, a quarterback. I'm impressed with him. I like this pick for number one. And I, I just want to point out we're we're talking about Cup. We're talking about Gurley when it comes to golf performance, but. 
golf's been spreading the ball. Um, just look at this week alone. I, I want to point out that that the Rams had three hundred yard performers through the year. Yes. Cooper Cup is obviously the big story, but Brandon Cooks had a big game and so did Robert Woods. Right. So like, golf is spreading the ball and he, and he has his one, two, three, four punch really. He has, he has Cup, Cooks, and Woods, and he has Gurley on the ground and through the air really. This offense is dangerous. Yes, and I, I think that's also a testament to the receivers and the caliber of players that they have on, you know, that can get open. They have, they have weapons all over the field. And I think that's also a testament to Sean McVay because he is such a good uh, coach and he, he's such an offensive-minded coach, and this is becoming such an offensive game right now. It, it's, it's, the, the NFL is, is offense-related. And and that's the type of game right now that that you gotta play in order to survive in this league and be great in this league. So I love um, Jared Goff right now, in spite of the fact that he beat up on my Vikings this week. Um, love it. I think he's a great quarterback, and and I'm jealous of the Rams right now. And one more thing here: those three receivers are all making a combined less salary than Tony Brown, which is terrifying, terrifying, and, and it makes you wonder. Um, how many of them are going to uh, get signed to monster deals at the end of the year or, or whatever the case? Absolutely. Now, um, with that, we're going to take a quick breather. What? 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 Forgot, forgot for five. Oh, oh, my forgetful five? I mean, I, I got all excited about your top ten. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Do you want to take over the computer? No, I'm just, you know, I, I was on a high here. And with, with your top ten, to be honest with you, because we had so many. I love offense performances, and, and they're so excited. I, it's so exciting, I almost didn't want to talk about the forgetful five. But, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get to Raytown's Forgotten Five. All right, ladies. Uh, this is fun. Yeah, it, the forgetful five is, is just, um, it's a sad time. Sad time. I just I want to want to say that it's a sad sad day. Um, there's lots of rain for some of these teams. Lots of sad dark clouds, right? Am I right Absolutely, um, more more some more clouds than others, but uh, I'm sure you got it covered. <laughs> well, um, I mean, we we can talk about about uh, these these abysmal teams here. Open the world of music. YouTube music. I'm sorry. I was I I was cueing the thunder. Music stream. Sad day. Lots of rain. Sad, sad. Guys, now um, number five of the Freytown's forgetful five: uh, Detroit Lions defense um, giving up 240 yards to Ezekiel Elliott to one guy. One guy put 240 yards on you. Um, the Lions that defense. That one guy had more more yards scrimmage than uh, both uh, Buccaneers quarterbacks. Yeah, which is sad. Which is sad. Um, so, so, I mean, I. I understand Ezekiel Elliott's a monster. I understand that the Lions had the worst rushing defense in the league, but come on now. Just a sad day. Just a sad, sad day. Um, second, well, number four in my forgetful five, the Buffalo Bills offense. Um, um, were they there? Yeah, they shut out by a, a horrible Green Bay team. Um, 
You know, and let's not mistake. This should be the second time they're shut out. The only reason they put up three points in week one is because Baltimore decided to pull up starters. Right, exactly. I mean, this is uh, they get shut out by a junky Green Bay Packers defense. I, I don't understand. The pack has nothing on defense. They, they literally have had nothing for, for a decade now. I don't understand how you can put up a goose egg against them. Um, the pack doesn't score very much themselves, but still, uh, they still manage to shut out the, uh, the Buffalo Bills. Number three. This one's going to require a little bit of a rant from me. Anthony Barr, torched on three touchdowns. Second week in a row, we rant about Anthony Barr. Um, the man can't cover. The man has no idea what's going on downfield. Nothing. I mean, he has no idea. He, he just he, he gets into coverage against Todd Gurley. Hey, to hell with it. We'll just give it the touchdown. He gets torched by Cooper Cup down the field. And understanding Kenzie Alexander go ahead, goes ahead and misses his assignment. And, and Anthony Barr is chasing Cooper Cup down the field. But Anthony Barr had a faster 40 time than Cooper Cup, and he can't keep up with Cooper Cup. So I'm, I'm over here kind of questioning what in the hell Anthony Barr is doing. And then he, he doesn't even try and de- defend the pass against uh, Brandon Cooks. He just lets the ball float right over his head, doesn't look back to see where the ball's at. He could have properly defended the football. He doesn't do that. He lets it just go right into Cooks' hands for a touchdown. Anthony Barr right now is trash, and Anthony Barr needs to get the hell off the football field. I got two comments before you move on. Go, go ahead. Number one, uh, I'm going to be that guy who makes a very shitty remark. Oh, boy. Um, you think maybe uh, Everson Griffin's brain is uh, rubbing off Anthony Barr? Oh, that was mean. That was mean. Secondly. Ooh, that's rough. I'm going to help. Yes, you are. Um... You know, as much as I, I love going down memory lane, I remember we were talking about contracts during mm-hmm. Netflix's the offseason. And I thought, like, oh, players need to be signed. And I remember Scotty Freytown said. I did. I saw it. Anthony Barr needs to be signed long-term by this team. Aren't false. you glad they, they, they didn't listen to you? You know what? And, and they must have seen something that I didn't because Anthony Barr has been garbage this year. Absolute garbage. And I said Anthony Barr needs to be signed, and I believe you agreed with me. At the time, I did. Anthony Barr needed to be signed, and, and Anthony Barr showed that he was a, a good pass-rushing type of linebacker, um, and, and teams are exposing him for a horrible, horrible pass defender that, that has nothing in zone and man coverage. And I know most linebackers aren't very good in, in, in coverage, but you got to be somewhat decent. I keep going back to the Josh Allen leak. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just been... A bad year for Anthony Barr. He's going to get signed by another team for big money. You know he's going to. But the question therein becomes, is he worth it to, to the Vikings to sign him? I think the Vikings are going to wind up letting him go at the end of the year if he keeps performing the way he does. Um, he's definitely not worth the money he's asking. He's, he's not living up to the expectations. So um, with that, we'll go to number two here. I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill. 11 for 20, 100 yards, and one interception as the real Miami Dolphins show up this weekend um, and get trounced by the Patriots 38-7. to um, Tannehill looked like hot garbage. Do you think it was more Miami looked bad or New England finally looked good or a little bit of both? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, I think the real Miami Dolphins showed up. We saw some really bad play from Tannehill. We saw some really bad play from the offensive line. But, but Tannehill had a, a, just a miserable performance. He had a pick in the game. He, he, he's, didn't, he's done so well the first few weeks, and, and then he just got picked apart. Um, 
horrible game by, by Tannehill. Just horrible. This is probably one of the worst performances of the year, really. I mean, we haven't seen too many quarterbacks not break 100 yards. And, and Ryan Tannehill goes out there and, and I mean, he, he broke it, but he, he, he hit it right on the nose. I mean, it was, it was just bad. Just a bad game. Um, just a horrible one. And uh, last but not least, number one, will the real Ryan Fitzpatrick please stand up? Oh, he did. He did. Nine for 18, 126. He had an interception. Gets destroyed by that Buffalo Bills defense. Ryan Chicago Bears. Or, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Buffalo. I was just talking about Buffalo. Bills yeah. are destroying anyone. Yeah. yeah, I know. But um, by that Chicago Bears defense, rather. Um, horrible game. He gets pulled. Winston comes in. I mean, throws a pick. Throws a pick. I mean, just so I mean, I, I almost feel like Winston should be on here, but he performed better than Fitzpatrick did. Technically, I, sure. Technically, he did. I put the whole. I put the quarterbacks on there. I, uh, I mean, hand holding one. <laughs> I, I. It was just. It was a nasty, nasty game. Um, Fitzpatrick was not impressive. We were we were wondering last week when Ryan Fitzpatrick would show up. Uh, I think the only reason that Jameis Winston, even though he had one more interception than Fitzpatrick, um, Jameis Winston actually got into the end zone. True. So I can't even be angry at the guy because he actually put points on the board. And he's rusty. Yeah, he hasn't played. So um, with that, that is uh, Freytown's Forgotten Five. And now, now we can go ahead and um, we can go ahead and jump to a commercial break. Word from our sponsors, a little bit of music for you guys. And um, we'll be right back, right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being.
Welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I'm your host, Tyler Dean. Boo. Really? Boo. Wow. Boo. I see how I'm calling tree around. Boo. And I'm here with uh, the very disrespectful Scotty Playtime. Very disrespectful? I am not disrespectful. You just booed me and I'm going to return to the show. Like, what else would you call that? How am I disrespectful? I am not disrespectful. Mm. <laughs> people love me. All the They love me. Come on, I got a big, big cheer there. Big cheer. Well, here we are at Around the League. We'll go for some league music. There's, been a, there's, there's, there's some stuff to discuss here, but it's been a quieter week. Uh, actually, weirdly quiet. Um, you know, uh, it, it's been quiet, but we, we've got some injuries. We've got a signing. Um, we, we've got some, some questions, definitely some questions. Um, I'm going to start it on a high note, Tyler. Let's talk Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri, he, he breaks the record for the, for the most field goals made in a career. Mm, yep. It, that's, a, that's a huge milestone. It takes a it takes a lot of games. It takes a, it, having a very long career to break that. Right, tops uh, the great Hall of Famer Morton Anderson, who had a, a tremendous career. Gotta love Morton Anderson, um, and and Adam Vinatieri. I think this automatically puts him in the the Hall of Fame talks. I thought he was in the Hall of Fame talks already. Oh yeah, he, he was he was already in those talks in my opinion. Yeah, and and uh, he goes out there and and. Uh, Puts it up, man. I'm I'm happy for Adam Vinatieri, um, and I, I I was just thinking, you know, kudos to him, congratulations um, on a, on a wonderful career. Now, if you're Adam Vinatieri, does this mean you retire after this year? I don't know. Is he forty yet? 
Adam Vinatieri? I, I think so. I think he, he's way over 40, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's 45. Yeah, big, big, that's, that's a long time playing football. I mean... I mean, we gotta. I mean, we gotta remember all of the things that Adam Vinatieri did. He had the the legendary blizzard boot that happened. Um, I mean, he he uh, uh, did great things in New England. He did great things with the Colts. I mean, he he's been a great kicker throughout this league. Um, very accurate. I think he's one of the last of the the great accurate kickers that we saw from the '90s for a long time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, there's nobody left. Yeah, I mean, all, all those, those, he started in 95, and, and I remember in the 90s, a lot of kickers were just automatic. You would see it, and it would be like, and it would just go through, and you knew that 99% of the kicks were happening. There was a, a, a run on accurate kickers. This era now, they're looking, because of, of guys like Sebastian Janikowski coming out, we're looking for power kickers. That's what, what the NFL is, is based on, is power kickers now. Um, it's and, rare, and, that, and it is though. But there are there are a few teams that have both. Yeah, and and to me, Justin Tucker is one of those guys. Tucker, uh, yep. and Zerline. Yep, I think those three guys. Um, they they have a, a great combination of of uh, power and accuracy, and and we haven't seen that out of a lot of kickers recently. Um, but Adam Vinatieri is is. Um, he's one of those great 90s kickers. And I remember when, when we used to play fantasy football, my dad and I, when I was younger, my dad and I used to play fantasy football with the next-door neighbor before the proliferation of ESPN and all these other things. Um, we, we used to do it just on paper. Yep, that's how old I am. Um, and at the time, um, my dad every year would go out and get Adam Vinatieri, and he would get Matt Stover. Those were the two kickers he would go out and grab. Matt, Matt Stover was a boss. Yeah. I think, whenever I think of Stover, I also think of Hanson. Oh, yeah. Stover and Hanson, they, they were never going to get you 60-yard field goals. No. Guys they like, were always going to get it within 40. Guys like uh, um, Gary Anderson and Fod Rivez were, were the same way. You, you would see these guys go out and, and, you know, they would be sinking kicks. They were really good. Jason Elam was another guy for a long time. Oh, Elon was great. Uh, so, and, and, and even as Grammatica. Martin Grammatica was good for a while. Um, so for a long time, you got to see really good kickers that, that were accurate. You got to see, and, and you don't see, you see a lot of missed field goals these days. I mean, you, you just do. You see a ton of missed field goals. Um, and, and you don't get that out of Anna Vinatieri a whole lot. Um, I'm surprised that, that he's... Uh, uh, I mean, career-wise, he he isn't more accurate than than you know what he's got, eighty-four point four percentage. I'm I'm that's that's a hell of a a, a percentage for a guy that got drafted in, in back in ninety-five, had a career spanning from ninety-six to two thousand eighteen. That eighty-four point four is a hell of a percentage. I I like oh, yeah, absolutely. And then this year, right now, he's eighty-eight point nine. He's only missed one field goal, um, and it was a big one. Uh, beyond that. I mean, Adam Vinatieri, great kicker. I'm I'm happy for him. So, congratulations uh, to him on on a tremendous career. Um, this is this is great. This is good stuff. But speaking of kickers, um, the Rams they they go out and uh, cut Mr. Fick in there, and they pick up Cairo Santos. I like this pickup. I do too. I think that is something Ficken because he kind of knew the team. They used him to do the playoffs and they got hurt in the playoffs. But uh, Santos is a, is a better kicker to me. 
Cairo Santos is a good kicker. He's a guy that needed to be signed. Uh, he's got a big leg. Um, he, he can kick long distances, uh, and, and that's the kind of guy you're looking for. Um, Ficken missed a field goal uh, late in the game against the Vikings. Um, but, but ultimately, I mean, I, I know they're, they're just kind of buying their time right now. Um, yeah, because Zerline's your guy. I mean, you'd be slaves to, uh, to not think that. So let's try and get a carry to get him by until Zerline is back in the field. Yeah, and, and Ficken, he, he's had a rough go. I mean, he, he missed one against the Vikings. He missed one against the Chargers. Um, look, I, I get it. You know, the, the guy's had been a, a rough time. Um, but he, he's going to wind up being a good kicker in the long run, I think. Um, he'll get picked up somewhere. But Cairo Santos is definitely the better kicker. He's got a, a better track record. Um, so I, I like this pickup. And, and he was really good for the Chiefs. And um, I think he's going to be really good for the Rams. I, I agree with this pickup as well. Yes. Now, um, moving forward, when we're talking about uh, pickups, there was one big pickup that went on this uh, um, this uh, week here that I, I think is a big one. You talking Eric Reed? Eric Reed. Those signs with Carolina. That was a big pickup to an old, fairly good defense. And fairly good. They're a little rough in the secondary, and that's what I think this one's all about. Is is they needed some help in their secondary. Um, Eric Reed gives them that. They especially needed it at safety. Eric Reed's a good safety. He's not He's not going to go out and be a Harrison Smith. He's not going to go out and, and be, um, you know, uh, an Ed Reed. He's not going to be that guy. But what he's going to be is, is he's going to be a good safety for you. He's going to kind of remind you of like an Andrew Sindeo, where he's, he's serviceable. He gets the job done. He plays the, the position well. He understands the position. He understands the game. Eric Reed's a good selection for this team. He's a good fit. And they did it in a way to where they, they had a week and a half to get him ready because they had to buy this past week. Yep. Um, that, so he, he has um, a fairly decent time to start to learn the defense and be uh, usable right away. Yeah, and, and one thing about Eric Reed is um, Reed is uh, uh, the kind of guy where um, it, he's got good hands, he's good in coverage, uh, he can really – he can play run, run defense. He can play pass coverage. He, he's really, really good. I like Eric Reed. Um, I like this signing. They got him for a year, so they can. If he doesn't pan out, then they can uh, let him walk at the end of the year. Um, smart move. Smart move by. I, I agree. This, this is the guy we talked about during our during year the end of all season. We talked about guys that are still on, on the board, and Eric Reed is one of those guys we talked about. And, and here he is, season started four weeks in, and he just now got signed. I think. Panthers got a steal. Right. Um, and, and like I said, they they didn't sign him for, for a monster contract either. Um, you know, one year, 1.3. So they, they got him on a discount. Um, and they're gonna have a good and, and they're gonna have a good shot at signing him. He's he's not an old guy. He's 26 years old, so you're gonna be able to pick him up and you're gonna be able to move forward with this guy. Um, re-signing to a long-term deal if he does well. So I mean if, if you sign him, you're gonna shoot, you get to, you know, sign him for five years. That, that might be good for him. So kudos to the Panthers for that um, tremendous signing. Now we've got some, um, we get, we had a, on top of, with, with the signing anyway, we had a release. Again. This is sad. Corey Coleman. Um, to me, is still a very, very talented receiver. Unless there's something that, Three coaches have seen, 
and 3GMs are seeing that we don't know, I don't get it. I don't know what in the hell is going on. Like, this guy is a tremendously talented young receiver, good hands. Uh, he's good on go routes. He, he, he is a deep threat. I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I don't get why teams can't seem to take Corey Coleman and make him some. Is he having trouble picking up the team? Is he having trouble picking up the offensive schemes? Is he having trouble meshing with the quarterback? Who knows? But Corey Coleman, it, I, I mean, we haven't, outside of the reason, we haven't heard much. No, it, it's been quiet. There's been no reasoning behind the release. It's just, it, it, it's, a, it's a mystery. Yeah, and he, he, gets, he gets signed, and then he gets released, and then he gets cut from the, the, or he gets signed by the practice squad, and then he gets released from the pra practice squad. I mean, it just seems like a waste of time, a waste of a draft pick. This guy was a former first-rounder. There's got to be something going on here. He was a former first-rounder. He was the 15th overall pick in the NFL, and, and we're over here calling this guy a bust. I don't understand. I, I don't understand the logic. Somebody has to, to figure it out and, and get this guy on the field, get him playing, get him moving. I, I just I don't get it. I mean, he's, he's 24 years old, for Christ's sake. Like, get him moving. I'll look in a 100%. So I, I, don't, I don't understand it. But Corey Coleman released twice in a week. So there's that. Um, now, on top of the, um, the signings and all that good stuff, we do have some, some injuries that, that occurred, um, some pretty gruesome ones. Um, the, the, particularly Tyler Eifert. Oh, that one was brutal. Um, just a nasty, nasty, disgusting. I mean, he basically his ankle turned around. And like people are gonna, people are gonna call him injury prone for this. Like, watch the video. Yeah. The way that guy landed on him, anybody would, would be hurt. hurt. Yeah. Would be hurt. You, you can't even, you, you can't even and call it, you know, uh, uh, injury prone. After that, I mean, he's had his history of injuries, but this is something that being healthy or not wasn't going to help you. That three hundred pounds flying on top of you like that, the way it did. Watch the video. You, you, you. If you still think that, that that's something that it's, it's on him, you will no, him. that that has nothing to do with being injury prone. That is just a bad stroke of luck, and it was gross. His ankle was was basically. I mean, basically, I mean, I'm surprised the guy still has a foot at this point. To be well, honest, it was like a taco. Yeah, it was disgusting, and and it was probably the the, the one of the worst injuries I've I've ever seen, um, in the NFL. I've seen some nasty injuries. I mean, we've seen leg breaks and all kinds of stuff, and and that was one of those ones where where you see him break his ankle, and then you see basically ankle hanging there. Um, it was just disgusting. Just absolutely disgusting. Um, just a rough time for, for old Tyler Eifert. Um, so there's that. Uh, along with other injuries, um, Donald Penn, um, he, he goes on IR uh, for a groin injury. Um, just a, a, a bad stroke of luck for the, the uh, Raiders there. Um, a team that's already depleted on defense, and, and now they're, they're all-star, 35-year-old all-star tackle. Donald Penn goes down. Um, how badly does this affect Derek Carr moving forward? 
this hurts a lot because the Raiders have had a tough go at things. They they, they lose Cleo Mack and now you lose Donald Penn. Derek Carr's already begging for safety and stuff. And this hurts. Yeah, there's a nasty one. Um, Donald Penn, uh, nasty groin injury. He he went down with it on Sunday. Middle of the game, he, he gets pulled out. They they lose an all-pro guy. Um, he, and, and now that he's on IR, you're, you're going to lose him for majority of the season. Um, it's just a, a sad day for, for Raider Nation there because everybody loves Donald Penn. He's been around. He's the, the, the team leader there at right tackle. Um, it, it's... It's sad to see uh, to see him kind of get carted off the field like that. Um, my hope is that Donald Penn will will uh, turn it up and and maybe make his way back onto the field. But I think he's just about done for the season now that he's been placed on IR. I think so too. I think I think this season's over. Yes. Now also um, out with injury, uh, and and this one was was kind of a, a controversial <laughs> situation. Um, Earl Thomas. Um, goes down with a broken leg, um, gets carted off the field. As he's getting carted off the field, uh, flips his own team the bird as, as he's leaving, just flips him off. Um, a lot of people were criticizing Earl Thomas. Now, here's, here's the thing I want to talk about with, with Earl Thomas here. The, the poor guy goes out and he breaks his leg, okay, and he's, he's on this one-year deal. He's been asking for a contract extension. The, the, the Seahawks won't give it to him. And, and so he's kind of damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. If he, if he stays at home, he gets called a crappy teammate and an asshole. If he, if he comes back to the field and he gets hurt, then he, his contract, either way, his contract, um, unless he stayed healthy this season, Either way, his contract was going to be affected, whether it be by the fact that he decided to stay off the field or whether it was because of the fact that, that um, he got injured. So at this, at this point, does Earl Thomas have a reason to be pissed? Well, he absolutely does. I, I'd be pissed off too. It's going to affect his contract. It's going to be, he's going to be deemed rusty and been out of the game for almost a year. And it's going to affect his numbers. But then you stay at home and talk shit. Right, and and um, it, I I just I feel bad for Earl Thomas. I feel bad for him because he's such a good player, and he's so good, and he deserves it. Um, he deserves that big extension. There's going to be a team out there that signs him to big money. Um, in spite of this broken leg situation, I think he's going to come back really strong, and that's going to be good uh, for him. But it, it ultimately this is going to affect his contract, and it's going to suck. Because Earl Thomas deserves a monster contract, um, and, and he's 29 years old. I, it's just a sad thing for him. So now, was it unprofessional of him to flip his own team the burden at that point? It, it was. Yeah, that's. It, I mean, it totally was. But he, he he was frustrated. Yeah, yeah. So I I mean I really can't blame him um, for that one. Uh, now, when we're talking about guys getting uh, unprofessional behavior, when we're talking about that. We got to talk Akeem Hicks. Uh, he got ejected from his game this past weekend for pushing an official. Um, the, I mean, the Bears aren't going to suspend him, from from my understanding, uh, for shoving the official. Uh, he he did he did get fined though. He he got fined three thousand uh, dollars. 
uh, for the situations. Um, it, it, it was. Well, I guess he got into some sort of heated, you know, argument with with one of the Bucks players, and and uh, the 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 referee Mike Carr, you know, uh, got shoved, you know, in the heat of the moment there. Um, you know, the contact wasn't wasn't any sort of like behavior. The, the league said it wasn't deemed to be malicious, um, so it wasn't like he was just coming at the official and like you son of a bitch, you 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 know, and shoved him on his butt or anything like that. He just um, he was arguing with another official or with another uh, player, and and you know, Carr wound up getting there and, and getting shoved. Uh, it was a total accident, but he does get uh, uh, thrown out of the game. He does avoid suspension. Um, he does get fined though. Um, you know, touching a referee, it's kind of a no-no. You know, you don't do that. Um, but he he will be back after their bye week. They do have a bye this week. He'll he'll be taking on the Dolphins. Um, do you feel that Akeem Hicks should be suspended for this situation? We'll start with that. Um, he probably should sit a game. I would say that, that for Hicks. accidental contact, for an accidental shove. I don't. I mean, personally, I don't think he should, but for league consistency. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I, I could see that. See, to me, you know. I, I get that the referee got shoved and he shouldn't have gotten shoved and, and that's kind of a situation. Um, at the same time, I, I think the league did the right thing here in not suspending him, um, giving him kind of, uh, uh, you know, just saying, you know, we understand you weren't coming at It's not like a situation where, the you know, we had a few years ago where a referee threw a flag and it hit a player in the eye and the, the player got all PO'd and came and started trying to wail on the referee. You know, we, we remember that. Do you remember that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we, we didn't have a situation like that, okay? But we, we do have um, – uh, we do have a situation where, where you know, it, it, it happens. You know, like stuff like this is going to happen eventually where a referee winds up getting uh, – um, uh, getting caught up in a situation. Uh, that, that player, by the way, that, that shoved that referee was Orlando Brown. Um, and he actually sued the NFL over that, uh, over that flag. Um, and he, he actually died. Died back in 2011. But uh, I guess that's neither here nor there. Um, so Akeem Hicks uh, gets away with one there uh, in spite of the fine. Now, also... Some some punishment de being dealt out. Isaiah Crowell, um, he gets fined thirteen thousand dollars for for the poop celebration. Um, is it really that bad? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, let's you had the Randy Moss mooning celebration, and I don't think he got fined for that. No, I, I think this is an overreaction. Yeah, I I, I, I don't like this. I mean. After after doing the the butt wipe thing with the football and whatever the case may be, and um, I mean, I guess Todd Bowles, you know, got after him about it afterwards, and and it resulted in an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. I mean, he was pretty. He, he was making a light joke towards his former team. Well, he was also promoting a product called Dude Wipes, which which. Uh, um, is supposed to be a, a toilet paper substitute for men. Well, he, he got that 
that uh, sponsorship after the fight? Well, I, I, I mean, I, I think it's kind of funny. I think it's it's a funny situation. I, I thought it was kind of a a, um, a funny celebration. I, I, I honestly, I mean, I, I can understand getting in trouble for the second celebration where he pretended to, to poop in the end zone. <laughs> I, 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 I like that one. You know, like... Is that the one he got fined for? Well, he, well here, here's the thing. He, he scored a second touchdown. He pretended to poop in the end zone and then wiped his butt with the football. So I mean I can I can understand why you know it's it's they're upset about the pooping in the end zone. I I can't say that I'm I'm necessarily bothered by the the wiping of the football. You know I then that's what that's what people seem to be the most upset about is is about the fact that he wiped his butt with the the football and nobody seems to be upset about the fact that that he was pretending to poop in the end zone. Right. The, I, I don't I don't understand it. Like like the dude straight up like pretended to drop trow in the end zone and everybody's talking about the fact that he wiped his butt with the football. I mean is this how does this make sense? I think it's all silly. It is it's silly nonsense. I mean, you know, it it, it and all it, it he's he's having fun. He was just having fun. It sucks that it, it, it hurt his football team, you know, with an unsportsmanlike conduct call. But you know, I I mean, big deal. Big deal. I'm with you. $13,000 for, for goofing off with a football. I mean, they, they used to, to um, oh, and Randy Moss was fine for the record. He, he was fined $10,000 for <laughs> pretending to moon the fans. Um, but I, I think the league need you know, we have to understand, I, I get the era we're in. We're, every, we're in a very ultra-sensitive society these days. I, I get it. We're, we're there. Um, at the same time, you're at a certain point. You know, we gotta we gotta go ahead and, and let these guys have a little fun. I mean, I'm not I'm not going out there and saying, hey, let's let's do some NFL blitz celebrations here. And, and this was definitely one of them. It was definitely an NFL blitz type situation. Um, but I mean, to find the guy, you know, for for goofing off and you know. And, and promoting the dude wipes. I mean, I get what he was doing. I think it's a pretty harsh um, uh, ordeal there. I, I don't I don't agree with the NFL. Let the guy do what he's going to do. Let the man wipe his booty and have a good time. <laughs> so uh, that was that was just uh, rough. Um, also, uh, when we're talking about off, well antics, we're going to be talking about antics. We we talked about um, last week. We talked a little bit about Everson Griffin, um, Mike Zimmer came out and said there is no timetable for his return. Um, this could be the end of the career of Everson Griffin, I think. I, I think it is. I, I mean, after an episode like this, um, I mean, the, the, he said there's no clarity on his return. I mean, and, and they're saying that he won't be back until week six at the earliest. But, I mean, I, I think he's, he's done at 30 years old. I, I think... Everson Griffin's going to be going bye-bye. I don't think you come back from something like this. I, I think you're right. I think this is such a delicate topic, and the NFL's already been fighting on uh, mental illness after playing anyway. I think this is going to be something that's going to go the route of where Everson Griffin is going to be. Right. Um, and, and he just, I, 
when you you go off the rails like that, you 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 just just go right off the deep end, and and it was I mean we're not talking like like hey this was a little bit off the deep end. Dude didn't sleep for several days. He was growing uh, uh, paranoid. He was fearful that people were coming to kill him. Um, he he jumped out of an ambulance at a, at a freaking stop sign. I mean we're we're talking. Uh, he broke into his uh, to Trey Wayne's his teammate's house. Um, his wife was concerned. Uh, he threatened to shoot up a hotel. I mean, like this is all in the the matter of, of a two day span. He just goes off the deep end, and now, now, um, you know, we we are hearing that we're, he's not going to be back until week six. But I don't, I don't think Everton Griffin comes back at week six. I think Everton Griffin. You don't come back from something like this. If you have that big of a, a mental issue, then you're not going to be coming back to the NFL, I don't think, anytime soon. If the NFL does allow him to come back, um, I, I think, you know, I mean, the last time we saw some sort of major issue um, where, where we had a mental issue, um, you, you had a guy shoot himself in the head in front of the practice facility for the Chiefs. Yeah, I I don't think the NFL can afford to let him come back. Um, cause the, the, we don't know what his state is. I, I think it'd be detrimental to the team, the league, and everyone to, to allow him to keep playing when we don't know what his mental state is. Right. I mean, the last time, and, and Javon Belcher, we remember that situation where he he walked basically into the, the, the Chiefs practice facility after killing his own girlfriend and blows his brains out in front of the GM. Um, we remember that, and that was a sad, just horrendous situation um, in Kansas City. So I, it, it makes you wonder the state of mind of Everson Griffin, and if they're going to um, if they're going to welcome him back. And and the Vikings, um, I, I know that that Stephen Weatherly is not Everson Griffin. I mean, we can face that fact, but I think Weatherly has played very well in his absence. Um, Weatherly is a good player, so do the Vikings necessarily need Everson Griffin at that point in time? I'm sure they want him, but is he is he a necessity? And I don't think he becomes a necessity at that point, especially given all the mental issues that are going on. So um, with that, Tyler, we're, we're talking um, – let, let's talk uh, quarterbacks here. What do you got? Well, even though he lost – after his performance against the Raiders, after the, the Browns kind of stayed close, did it after his first actual start, did Baker Mayfield show that he's the real deal? No. No. Um, and as we're talking about during the scores, um, Baker Mayfield had a completion percentage of about 50%. Yeah, 51. Um, about two, 200 and change yards, which is fine. Um, two, two touchdowns, was it? Two touchdowns, two picks. And two picks. Um, 295. To me, the the real reason they stayed in this game was that they had the two big, um, lack of a better word, lucky runs for, for Nick Chubb there who happened to just break away and go. Two touchdowns there, and then, the, and then Carlos Hyde also had a good game. I, I, to me, this game, in my opinion, on my end, hurt Baker Mayfield as far as credibility. No, I, here's my thing about, about Baker Mayfield. Uh, we, we remember a guy who used to be a gunslinger. And, and used to throw a, a lot of interceptions. Um, and uh, we remember uh, 
when he first broke into the league, he wasn't that great. Um, do you know who I'm talking about? And I gave you a big hint. Brett Favre? Yes, sir. He threw a lot of interceptions throughout his career. Um, and Brett Favre, when he first got into the league, he wasn't very good. I mean, let's face facts. Brett, Brett Favre was not very good when he first broke into the league. Um, a lot of picks there. 13 picks his first year, 24. And, and, I'm, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, and I understand, you know, he, you know, Baker Mayfield, I mean, I'm, we're making a big comparison. I get it. But let's just face it. He threw, Favre threw a lot of interceptions throughout his career. He was a gunslinger, though, and he was a winner. And, and Baker Mayfield, he, you know, this kid's in his rookie year. He just played his first start. Did it necessarily kill him? Eh, I don't know. No, definitely didn't kill him. But I wouldn't use that performance to say, oh, look how good he played. I mean, yeah, he put 42 points, but a lot of it wasn't on Baker, but, is all I'm saying. But do you think Baker Mayfield's the real deal here? It's way too soon to call that. And, yeah, and, and that's, that's the, going to be the big question moving forward. Now, speaking of, of who's the real deal and who's not, I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Will the real Ryan Fitzpatrick please stand up? He did on Sunday and uh, crapped the bed. Um, just a horrible, horrible game for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, miserable. 9 for 18, 126. Just a bad, bad game. 50% completion percentage. He got pulled for Jameis Winston. Is this the end for Ryan Fitzpatrick in Tampa? Um, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like Winston's going to start this week. Mm-hmm. So I think it might be. I mean, it's it's unfortunate he had three straight weeks of 400 yards. I don't think anyone's ever done that before. Now, say Jameis Winston comes into the game and craps the bet. Does have does Ryan Fitzpatrick have the opportunity to take over that team? Yes, I, I absolutely think he does because I, I don't think Jameis Winston has, has shown that he is. It's someone like Trubisky who's having great a great season right now. Like, Winston hasn't played fantastic, so I think if Winston plays poorly. Tampa may may switch out. Right. I mean, and they, they very well could. I, I believe that Ryan Fitzpatrick just had a rough game. And um, I, I think uh, I, I think he had a rough game. I think he can he can make his way back out there and, and do what he does. But you gotta hope at this point that Jameis Winston doesn't show up and, and Jameis Winston plays poorly moving forward. So quarterbacks having big games and one of the defenses they're having big games against, we're talking the Pittsburgh Steelers. This this defense is is not the steel curtain. Four hundred plus yards in the last three weeks. I don't know what's happening with this team. Um to me they have they, they started creating a staple of this team this T J Watson has been fantastic yeah. and and then they drafted uh, uh, what's his name, Tremaine Edmonds, yep. in the first round. So they're building this team back up, but this defense is not playing at the steel curtain that we know. Um, so we remember the Steelers have always been known for huge defense. Um, they're thirtieth in yards allowed per game, twenty sixth in points. Tomlin is is staying very quiet about it. I mean. 400-plus yards in three straight weeks, that's a big problem. It's a big issue. Um, they didn't allow an opponent in 2008 to gain over 300 yards. And now we're over here giving up monster, monster games to, to teams. They're about to take on the Falcons. Um, 
they're averaging the Falcons are averaging 35 points at 448 yards per game in the last three weeks. Um, you, it's going to get ugly, and uh, it's not going to be fun. Ben is going to have to keep up with probably one of the most prolific de- prolific offenses rather in the NFL right now. I, I don't see the Steelers doing well this week, and and to be honest with you, I, I am not sold on this defense. I think a lot of there's a lot of old guys there that still need to see their way out. I think they're missing a lot of corners. I think they've they got a lot of injuries. The Steelers are going to be having a rough, rough time. Um, 400-plus yards, I think that's worth talking about, though. I think it's it's interesting to see that they have one of the worst defenses in the, in the league. Ben, ben and the offense can't can't do all the work. They, no. they, you can't expect them to keep up with how bad the defense is doing. Eventually, it, it hits you. And right now, they, they're... One, the fact that they're one, one, two, and one, one, two, and one. They won one game. That is not the Steelers that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this offense is potent. We all know that. Steelers have a great offense. But you can only do so much when your defense is allowing 400 yards a game. Yes. Now, speaking of, of big offenses, pass- passing touchdown record got broken this week um, through four games. Um, you got the passing touchdown record broken, and... Uh, yeah, so we're talking t- passing touchdowns by all teams through four weeks. Yes, and and I think that's that's we're talking about um, just a huge huge time. And I, I think one of the guys to talk about there is obviously Patrick Mahomes, um, with all of his touchdowns that he's been throwing. This is becoming a passing league, is it not? Oh no, we we've been in this state for a few years now. We all we all knew this was coming. I mean, you had Patrick Mahomes at six touchdowns a couple weeks ago. I expected it, um, but not like this. Not, no. not like this to the point where we're having six touchdown games, and we've had a six touchdown game like what once a week. Uh, it seems like there's been two. There's been, I mean, it's it's wild. It's it's there's wild. Been, you've had Patrick Mahomes in week two, and then this past week you had Trubisky, but then Golf also threw five. Yeah. Um, Luck threw four. Ryan Cousins threw three. It, it lots of passing. It's become a pass first league. Running backs are becoming a thing of the past. I mean, you you got to look at some of these running backs that, that just haven't been there. It's become a very powerful passing league. I, I'm amazed that that um, I'm amazed that that this record got broken the way it did. I'm amazed by the quarterback play, and and it I, does it show is it is it a telling sign of of running backs just getting worse or offensive lines getting worse, or is it a telling sign of just how good a lot of these quarterbacks are that are coming out of the draft, that are that are going around the league. Is that is that a testament to them more so than running backs being bad, or is it just running backs are bad, so we got to throw the football? So what I think it is, you can't even mention. What's that? Athletic receivers. Yeah, that's a good point too. Receivers are starting to come out more athletic. Um, in past years, you talked about one or two guys at the end of the season having stud years. Now you're talking like five, six, seven, eight guys a year. Yeah. Um, I, I think receivers are getting more athletic. And not to say the quarters are bad, but the quarterbacks have these weapons to get the ball to and just move the ball in the field so quickly. Yeah. And, and I mean, we, we got to see our fair share of, of athletic receivers throughout our era um, back in the 90s. Uh, that's what I, I kind of tell them, say, my era. Um, I remember the Jerry Rices and the Chris Carters and the Randy Mosses and stuff like that. But the the type of receivers that we're seeing now, they're just monsters. The OBJs and the, the Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and, and guys like that. Um, I'm I'm 
just amazed by uh, uh, the athleticism of some of these receivers too. So I, I can say that that that's part of it. Um, but but also though, the the athleticism of the said running backs that we're claiming are dying. Um, Alvin Kamara, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon. But these take, guys are all guys that are involved in the, the passing game. game. Yes, and and that's a, it, or is it is it becoming a testament of um, how versatile running backs are, are becoming? And have they always been versatile, or are, are we just now figuring this out because of how much the passing is taking off? Maybe a little um, bit of both. Could um, think back to uh, I can't think of his name, Emmett Smith. Um, could Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders or any of those guys, could they have been these versatile receiving threats too? I think so, but at the time it was just that we had the running game, we had the passing game. Yep, and that's it. It was pretty uh, two-dimensional. So, I mean, it very, very interesting uh, thing. And, and last but not least, we, we've got a lot of guys coming off of suspensions now. We're, we're entering uh, that time. Um, it, it's going it's in not a, last. i got to keep these for you. Oh, well. Well, we're... Smith, Edelman, Ingram, all coming off of their suspensions. And yep, Vontae's perfect coming off uh, their suspensions. Um, let's let's talk these guys for a minute. Ingram coming off suspension. How much does he affect this team? And does he affect? Honestly, I think I think Ingram coming back to the Saints affects this team negatively. I don't. This this offense is so potent. It's it's, it's nasty. Kamara's is. Doing exactly, Kamara's picking up where he left off last year. Um, Kamara's the receiving rushing threat, but Ingers would come in and be that workhorse power back, and, and, and the two are going to continue to complement each other. Because Kamara, Kamara does very well in the pass game. He does. Ingram is is a boss with moving the ball. Your third downs, you're going to get the ball. Game, but he's just a tank. I, I think he he negatively affects it, and here's why. I think he takes away from Kamara. I think Kamara is is your guy that's going to win you the football games. I don't think Ingram is that guy. I don't buy Ingram as much as I do Kamara. I think if if the Saints were smart, they would keep Ingram as a backup to Kamara. I think Kamara's got the starting job at least. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm I'm looking at Alvin Kamara. Um, but I think uh, uh, th- this is going to be be a, a, a competition at the very least. Um, I don't know. I think he negatively affects the, the Saints more than he helps them, to be honest. I, I think this is going to be a complimenting competition. I think they're going to continue to complement each other. I think this offense is going to continue to be potent and continue to be a potential support threat. It could be. Now, uh, Julian Edelman coming off suspension. Um, how much does this open up stuff for Tom Brady? I think whatever, whatever omen that Patriots have, Edelman helps them out of it. Patriots um, don't really have much of a receiving core right now. Um, Gronkowski's not doing anything really right now. So, so the, the offense doesn't really have anybody to rally behind. I think Edelman brings the potential of being able to really rally and be the team that they're used to being. Yeah, I think Edelman opens up a big thing for, for Tom Brady. He's a big weapon over the middle. Um, definitely a great slot receiver. I don't Is Edelman you know a deep ball guy? Not really. Edelman is, is going to be great in the slot. He's going to be um, uh, great over the middle. He's going to be great in those underneath routes. He's a possession type of receiver that Tom Brady loves, especially when he's they, they like to throw a lot of um, uh, quick passes uh, and get the ball out of the quarterback's hands. Um, so I, I agree. I think Edelman's going to be a, a big asset to the Patriots. Also coming off of injury, your boy, Jimmy Smith, 
Um, what does this do for that Ravens defense? Um, this one's interesting because uh, to me right now, without even without Jimmy Smith, Ravens have have three liable starters at corner. You have uh, Marlon Humphrey who's been doing really well. Brandon Carr who's broken the record for the for the longest reigning time as a starter on the defense. Like it's a, it's how so many it's a hard two straight games being deemed a starter. Mm -hmm. So no injuries and being good enough to be a starter. I think that ends this week, Jimmy Smith coming back, obviously. Now, Jimmy Smith, here's, here's you know, I think having a corner that is as capable as Jimmy Smith, I think that, that um, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. That's yeah. a good problem. So now, now you have those three, and then, and then you add young Tavon Young, who uh, his rookie season had a phenomenal year last year. He was out on injury all year, mm -hmm. and he's been back playing really well. You, you have four really good corners fighting for two spots, and and they they already had a problem at corner. Now you have one of the league's best coming back too. Like, this is a great problem to have. Mixing that with uh, with two safeties and Eric Weddle and, and Tony Jefferson, it, I think this continues to make this already nasty Ravens defense even more nasty. Now, now with the inflection of youth you have over there in Baltimore, let's let's talk that because you have this this. Influx of, of youthful talent that's coming in and, and playing good ball. We know Jimmy Smith can play good ball. Um, Jimmy Smith, if you look at his current contract, he's got he, he's technically technically um, he could be in a contract here, depending on what the Ravens decide to do, um, and and they they can take the the out there at at the end of this year if they want to uh, for six million dollars in dead cap. If you're the Ravens. And you have this young talent performing well. And say Jimmy Smith comes in, he performs well, but you don't really need him. Jimmy Smith is 30 years old. You could send him to free agency. Do you let Jimmy Smith walk, or do you keep him for that age 31 year? I think you do, I think you do let him walk. I think there's a potential of him playing next season because you could say next year is his theoretical contract year. Right. But with Marlon, I, Marlon Humphrey is the future of this of the secondary, in my opinion. Um, plus, Tony Jefferson is still young, too. Yes, he's very young. Um, as, as is Tavon Young. Brandon Carr isn't, but but uh, I think with the way that youth is playing, um, Jimmy Smith could be on his way out. Depending on how he does this year, really. Even if Jimmy Smith plays really well, I think all it really does is buy him the next year. The only way he stays, to me, is if uh, Eric Weddle starts to decide he's done and Jimmy Smith transitions to safety. Yeah, and, and that could be a potential option. I mean, we, we always see corners transition to safety and they become very, very good at safety. After and it, it extends careers, so that is a big possibility for old Jimmy Smith. At the same time, only thirty-one years old. So I mean, does if Ravens let him walk, he's going to get a pretty pretty decent deal with another team within minutes. I mean, Jimmy Smith is a great corner, but you get to the point to where you're building your future. If you have corners that are still getting the job done, I mean, look, look where Ravens are at through, through the first four weeks. They're yeah. top five defense still, three and one. Yeah, Jimmy Smith enhances that. Yes. But by how much? Yep. And 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 and, and what and, and what's the what's the uh, benefit of enhancement versus cost? Exactly. That that becomes the big question. Now, last but not least, uh, Vontae's perfect as you brought up. Uh, perfect returns to practice this week. Um, appears to be in great shape. Uh, do you? No. Right now, the Bengals are playing good ball. Let's let's start there. Absolutely. The Cincinnati Bengals are, are suddenly the Cincinnati Bengals that we saw, um, you know, a few years ago making the playoffs. 
And and right now the Bengals they're they're three and one. Um, they're playing good football. They just beat the Atlanta Falcons uh, in a, in what was basically a shootout. Um, they they beat your Ravens. They beat the Colts. They the only team they lost to was the Panthers, who who are, are they have a monster defense. Let's face it, the Panthers are hit or miss from week to week. I mean they're they're always a dangerous team. Um, does I mean this obviously makes the the Bengals defense better. Uh, how dangerous is this for teams that are looking at the Cincinnati Bengals right now? And and how much does this help the Bengals? And we were talking about this last week. Um, how how much does this help the Bengals go through this this upcoming rough patch that they're going to have to go to moving forward? I mean, you got the Falcons coming uh, that they, that just happened. They beat them by a point. You got the Dolphins. I think they just came back down to earth. You got the Steelers though. That's going to be tough. You got the Chiefs. That's going to be tough. You have got the Bucks, who could potentially be tough if if uh, the quarterbacks return to form. You got the Saints, who are going to be tough. You got the Ravens again, who they beat, but are still going to be tough. You got a tough Cleveland Browns team that's kind of coming around. You got the Broncos who are still playing competitive football. You got the Chargers who are good. You got the Raiders who are eh. You got the Browns who are starting to be on the up and up. And then you got the Steelers again. I think the Bengals could make the playoffs this year if they keep playing the way they are. Oh, if they keep playing the way they are, the Bengals will absolutely make the playoffs and probably win the division. Yeah, I think I think that the Vontae's perfect uh, uh, creates a big spark for them. I think it really helps their defense, um, especially a defense that's been giving up. I mean, if you look at the points they've been giving up, they, I mean, they gave up 23 to the Colts, which is, the Colts are not good. Um, they gave up 34, or I'm sorry, 23 to the Ravens. Then they gave up 31 to the Panthers. They gave up 36 to the Falcons. That number has been gradually rising over the last few weeks. The Bengals' defense needs a spark like this from Vontae's perfect. I think this is a great time to have him back. Oh yeah, you're three. You you've gone three and one out of like shoot. This is this is a big upgrade for this defense, and we all we all know that Vontaisberg is a, is a great linebacker. He's a head case and comes with potential suspensions every year, but the, he's a great player. Yes, great, he's great, great asset to have in your under defense. Great mind, um, and and Vontae's perfect is going to spark the Bengals, um, to to uh, even greater heights. Now, Tyler. That's all of our, our news, anyway. What's what? What do you got, got for me? What do you got for me? That's all. all that's that's all of my news, anyway. Um, I'll start with the one that's not my articles here, and I, um, I, I think it's worth talking about just checking where, where we're at right now. Like, um, um, first of my like you here, I want to I want to talk to Ravens here. Oh, you no, you've been doing the same thing for the last few seasons, like this. Uh, I guess. Um, we'll keep this short and sweet, and so. Flacco's off to his hottest start in four games since 2012. My name's Tyler Joe Flacco. My mouth is full of his wiener. You love Joe Flacco. What you you want to make out with that man? Don't lie to me. No, I'm 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 pointing out facts here. The, the Flacco Lamar story was a big story in preseason. And, and right now, Joe Flacco's taking that job. And right now, it's Lamar who. Yeah, exactly. Lamar's playing like playing like dog shit in preseason, and Flacco came out playing, playing, playing uh, amazing in preseason, and now it's carrying over the regular season. As far as yards and touchdowns, he's it, he's having his hottest start since the twenty twelve season. It, it, does this continue? I I, I mean the, the I mean Joe finally, and to me Joe finally has weapons, and he and he's utilizing them. I, I mean, yeah, he's, he's spreading the ball. He's got weapons. It's something that he. 
Joe Flacco has had weapons throughout his career. Let's start with that. Not I mean, this many. I don't even know about all that. I mean, when, when he had Torrey Smith in the hot year, Arch. he had Anquan Bolden who, who showed up. And Bolden was great. He, he played really good ball. You can sit here and say Torrey Smith is garbage, but Torrey Smith came out and put up big numbers in that year and was an explosive player um, in that rookie year where, where he, yeah, he exploded. And, and, and Joe's put up like, 20, like the Super Bowl before. The Ravens made the plays every year, and Joe looked good every year. I'm, I'm talking more of the seasons after that. Yeah. He lost Bolden, and because I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Torrey Smith had a great season, mm-hmm. but Torrey Smith is not a number one. No, absolutely not. He never so was. In the, in the 2013 season, when Torrey Smith was number one, the, the damage was shown. Yeah, Kamara Aiken comes out and leads the league. He leads the team. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you that Joe Flacco has a lot more weapons. I think John Brown has been an excellent addition. Um, when John Brown has, has superseded Michael, Michael Crabtree. Oh yes, I, I think John Brown. John Brown was a great receiver when he was in Arizona. He's playing good football now. He's on a one-year prove-it deal. Um, John Brown's playing like he wants that big contract now. Um, Speaking of which, this was a big article on, on Ravens.com. Was uh, if you're in Ravens uh, management, do you try to sign Brown now before he starts really performing and really costing? I would get to the end of the season, and I would say, hey, Johnny, how about we, we go ahead and, and, you know, I would, I would wait till the end of the season because you don't know what people are going to do. You don't know what, what, what guys are going to do moving forward. I mean, he could get off to a hot start and then turn into nothing. I mean, you don't, you don't know. I want to see if John Brown, now, back in 2015, we got to remember John Brown broke 1,000 yards, and, it, and it's been a long time since then. And, and it was the main reason he broke that thousand yards is because he became the number one when Larry Fitzgerald went down. We got to remember that. But John Brown, he's fast. He's 28 years old, so he's got a little. He's got a lot of tread on the tires. I think if if you're the Baltimore Ravens and you're looking at John Brown right now, you're talking about maybe three to four year deal. But I mean, it, it's possible. It, it could be a smart decision, or it could be a bad one. To try to jump on it now. It, it would be a bad decision, I think, to jump on it now with such a small sample size. He's got three touchdowns in four games. He's got 338 yards. He's in good shape. He's having a good year. He's in, and this could potentially be a career year for him. 300, oh, he's over 300 yards after four games. I mean, that's something special. I, I want to see if John Brown can continue this for an entire season. And even then, I'm going to be sitting there questioning whether or not John Brown can do this you know, for, for several years moving forward. I, I believe he can. But what I'll leave it out with John Brown is this is the first time that John Brown's had a quarterback that has the type of arm that Joe does. Yeah, I mean... So I, he can really utilize his speed now. Yeah, and, and that's... An, not, he can be told, just go. That's another thing. will be there. That's an, another thing. And and Michael Crabtree, I, I agree with you, has not lived up to expectations. Three um, drops this season. Three drops, but here's the interesting thing about Michael Crabtree and, and something that I think is worth bringing up. Michael Crabtree gets double covered a lot, and, and a lot of people are saying, well, well, is he is he shaky? Is he not able to do what he can? We used to be able to do. Let's face facts. Number one, Michael Crabtree, 31 years old, so he's starting to hit the decline. But do I really think that Michael Crabtree is having a problem? No. I think Michael Crabtree is going out there, and I think he's opening up a hell of a lot more for guys like John Brown, and and that's the the beauty of having two great receivers on the field. We saw it with Minnesota having Carter and Moss. We saw it with the Oakland Raiders having, you know, Jerry Rice and um, Randy Moss on the field. You 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 got to see having you know how many catches Wes Welker got with, with Randy Moss drawing people away. 
Michael Crabtree is a good enough receiver. He's broken a thousand yards enough time uh, enough times where I believe Michael Crabtree is the kind of guy that draws coverage away from guys like John Brown. And no, and on that note, you're right. He does draw a lot of coverage, and he's still the most targeted receiver on, on the team. Right. But my issue is the drops aren't because of double coverage. These are wide open, ball in his hand, ball in the numbers, and he's just not bringing it in. Right, and, and players do have that issue a lot of times. Um, uh, to me, I, I believe Michael Crabtree is the guy that's that's drawing the coverages away. I, sure. I, I believe Michael Crabtree is opening up lanes for for John Brown to to get open and and play good football. I I think John Brown is is a, a if without a guy like Michael Crabtree on the field to open that stuff up, John Brown doesn't have nearly the season that he's having right now. I I agree that to an extent. Just there is just a sour sour thought in Ravens fans' heads with. We're coming up a season where we, you know what, we're done with the shot pyramid because he drops footballs. So it's just it's just a ringing ringing in people's heads like man, here we go again. Yeah. But but you're right. He he does take a lot of coverage away from John Brown's help because. But you know who the most targeted receiver on the team is on third down? Willie Sneed. Yep. Willie Sneed is is uh, playing good ball right now. And and but even with Willie Sneed, here's another interesting thing. Willie Sneed is is drawing. Um, he's only got 167 yards, or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm 198 yards. Right, right. 198, um, 198 yards through through four four games. Okay, Willie Sneed is also a benefactor here somewhat. Um, I don't think at this point Crabtree or Willie Sneed break a thousand. No, I, and I, I, I agree. I think they'll get the, around the, the 800 mark, but I don't think they break a thousand. Um, I think John Brown is the guy that breaks a thousand. Flacco's been spreading out the ball a lot. It, it's it's going to be an interesting and, and, year. And now you have another tight end coming back in the mix because um, he's hurt all preseason. Like Joe's going to continue to spread this ball, and I, I'm I'm excited for the, for the offense here. Yeah, because um, what I because going kind of transitioning here is two teams in the league have a top five offense and top five defense, only two. And I don't necessarily buy Hayden Hurst like you do. Um, I don't think he's as great as everybody believes he is. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see if he makes me eat those words. But um, he's a pass-catching tight end. That's what he's good for, so he's going to draw away some of that coverage as well. Absolutely. I think John Brown's going to wind up again being a benefactor. Well, I, I agree. So the, the, the Ravens and the Rams are the only two teams in the league that have a top-five offense and top-five defense. Hmm. So it, and we're early, but... You don't. You're. I mean, you're used to hearing this on the Ravens' defense, not the offense. Now, if you're talking about the Ravens, are you talking Super Bowls right now? Too early. Too early. No. No. So that kind of gets me to my next article. Okay, go ahead. So, first one's kind of the uh, quarter. Um, we'll try to do more of a buy or sell. The first quarter awards. Mm. And most watchable team is the Cleveland Browns. You buy that? The, I, I don't. I don't. Here is uh, the Browns are a handful of plays from being, away from being four and zero or zero and four, but they're one two and two or one one and two. I, I well, they're one two and one. Um, I don't buy it, and and here's why I don't buy it. I understand the appeal. I, I get that that um, I, I understand the appeal. Everybody wants to see that underdog win. Everybody wants to see if they're going to come out and and what the Cleveland Browns are going to do. They put up 42 points uh, against um, uh, 
Oakland here, or, or L.A. or Vegas or whatever the hell they're calling themselves, they, they put up 42. It was, it was very exciting to watch um, Cleveland play. And I think Baker Mayfield makes for a great story. Um, Baker Mayfield's going to, over time, become an even bigger story. I, I believe Baker Mayfield's going to get better and better and better. And, and now that I, I thought about it, you know, he's like, and, and made it a point to point out, like, this guy's a gunslinger, kind of like Brett Favre. Brett Favre was fun to watch. I watched football. I didn't, as a Vikings fan, for years I hated Brett Favre. And even then, I loved Brett Favre because he was so damn good. Baker Mayfield's going to be the same way, and he's going to develop into something special. He's going to be developing into that gunslinger, and I'm excited for it. So the Browns are watchable. Are they the most watchable team in football? Absolutely not. I think the Rams are the best, most watchable team in football. Well, the Rams are the best team, but I think you're, you're getting what you're expecting out of the Rams. Well, to me, the most watchable team is a team that is still a lot of stories to. It. To me, it's the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs what have. What Mahomes is going to do? Can he keep it up? The, the Chiefs have stories, but I think the right now the Rams become the most watchable team in football because even though you expect victories out of the Rams and you expect them to come out and, and shoot around and play good ball and you expect Todd Gurley to go for a hundred plus and whatever else, the Rams are still. You remember Kurt Warner? You remember that that greatest show on turf? Yeah. You you remember that that uh, uh, Marshall Falk running all over the place and. And uh, uh, I, I, I just I buy the Rams right now. I, oh, I, 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 I do too. Right I, now, Isaac, Isaac Bruce. I mean, uh, I remember that team, and I remember Tory Holt. Tory Holt. Yeah, there's another one. I mean, you you had such an exciting team to watch. I, I'm 100% sold on on you know the the Rams right now, and and it, it's so reminiscent of Kurt Warner. I love it. I love the Rams, and, and I think I believe that they're still the most watchable team in football right now because of the explosiveness of their offense and because of the amazing things that they're pulling off um, and, and, and how exciting the games are becoming. The least watchable team, the Buffalo Bills. buy that? I don't know that I buy that. Um, the Bills... Uh, They've gotten shut out twice, basically. Yeah, they they've gotten shut out twice. I mean, I, I still think you're you're they become watchable because of Josh Allen, because you don't know which Josh Allen is going to show up from week to week to week. Um, for Bills fans, it makes you want to stick your head in the dirt and not watch. But but at the same time, Josh Allen, because he showed those hints of greatness, especially against Minnesota, I, I think that's what makes them watchable. That what that's what makes them a franchise. Um, so who do you put as the most unwatchable? The most unwatchable team in football right now, maybe, maybe Oakland. I I I don't buy Oakland at all. I think they're they're boring as all get out. Um, maybe the Jets, and even though Darnold is there, Darnold is not. Playing good ball at all, but 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 to put the Jets there, it's kind of going against kind of yeah. going against your thought for taking the Bills out of it. Well, and, and but the thing is, you know what what Sam Darnold's going to show up. You yeah, you do because I mean, look at Sam Darnold. Look, Stan, Sam Darnold. Okay, and everybody keeps going back to this this game against the the Lions. Hang on a minute. Sixteen for twenty one for one ninety eight and two touchdowns is not a good stat line. Well, that's what I mean. I mean. You, Darnold's had good games and he's had bad ones. Like you, you don't know what your Darnold's going to get. Darnold hasn't had any good games. Well, neither has Josh Allen. 
I mean, Josh, well, Josh Allen had a hell of a game against the Vikings. He had a hell of a game. I guess. He did. He had a hell of a game against the Vikings. Sam Darnold has not done anything impressive to me throughout this entire season. One, 15 for 31, 169, two picks. Um, goes up against the Jags, 17 for 34, 167, one touchdown. I mean, like, Sam Darnold hasn't, hasn't really done anything to, to make me go ooh and ah and, and want to turn on the TV. Maybe the New York Giants. I think the only thing that really makes the New York Giants watchable right now is the fact that they're in New York. Um, oh, and Barkley. Yeah. I, I, well, in, in Saquon, but how much have we really heard about Saquon? Oh, not a whole lot. Uh, maybe the Cardinals. And I think the only thing that really makes the Cardinals watchable is that Josh Rosen is hanging around. Well, since you're cheap and going with 10 out there. Well, I mean, no, but I'm I... am going to throw out the 49ers. Then, yeah, now yeah that, I could see the numbers. Now that Brown goes out, I, to me, the 49ers are just... Eh, a waste of time. Who cares? Yeah, I, I, I can agree. Or, and, and, you know, even though they have a good record right now, um, and, and they're kind of flying under the radar, but a team that I think is, is pretty unwatchable, to be honest with you, is the Tennessee Titans. I don't buy the Titans right now. There is nothing watchable about the Titans right now. I think the only thing that really makes the Titans watchable, it's, a, it's definitely not their running game because, wow, what an abysmal time that is, but it is the fact that Marcus Mariota is playing with an injury right now. Yeah, it has yeah. been all year. Yeah, that's, that's probably the only thing that's really making the Tennessee Titans watchable to see if the man can survive the, the gridiron there, if he, can, if he can survive the gauntlet. I mean, that's, that's about it. Best non-QB MVP candidate, Alvin Kamara. This is hard to argue. I think you're talking Kamara. I also think you're talking Calvin Ridley. I, but, but you're also talking Todd Gurley. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he, he, Todd Gurley's in the discussion. Um, I, I think Kamara and Gurley are above Ridley because... Calvin's really only had two good weeks. Uh, yes. Um, Ridley or Kamara and Gurley, in all honesty, has been either inching my top ten or in the top ten every week. They're continuing to be these juggernaut players. So I think I think you're really talking Kamara and Gurley. But because of this week, I think this, the three touchdown week, I'm, I'll give I'll give the edge to Kamara over Gurley. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of um, I, I I kind of agree with with Gurley. I think Kamara has been something really special to behold. Um, say, how, how that offense continues to run with Greer coming back, that, that'll really determine how Kamara's going to be going forward. Yeah. Yeah, Kamara has – he's played such good football. Um, you, you, it's hard to argue. Um, wide receivers, I mean, you got to be talking – Ridley, you got to be talking Julio, as usual. Hopkins, Hopkins. yep. And and really, this is a shit time. Yeah, there's there's a lot of receivers out there that Robert are. Robert Woods is having a great year. Cups mm-hmm. starting to turn it turn it turn it turn it up. I I'm I'm kind of excited. This is an exciting year. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs having good years. They're both having great seasons. Adam mm-hmm. Thielen had a great week. Just uh, it's funny that 135 yards and a touchdown. Sorry, kid. Not good enough. Not good enough. <laughs> and and Adam Thielen has has been breaking a hundred yards pretty consistently um, this season. Oh, uh, absolutely. He he does it. He's done it all four games this year. 101, 131, 105, 135. Um, 
two touchdowns on the season so far. I mean, he had six receptions and 12 and 14 and eight. He's just having a monster year. He's one of the best receivers in the game. I hope the Vikings re-sign him. He's, he's, in a, he's got three years left on his deal. I hope they re-sign him when he gets to that contract year. But Thielen showing why he's worth the time and worth the, the effort um, led the league in receiving yards last year. Best last-minute addition. Actually, no, we didn't. Um, Hopkins did. 1276. Still Hopkins will be. Mm-mm, that was year before. You're probably right. Yep. I, uh, I, I will look that up right now. But anyway, continue. Well, you look it up while I'm doing my next one. Yes. Um, the best last-minute addition, Khalil Mack. There's no arguing. No, that. no, Khalil Mack. Uh, that was yeah. very last-minute. Um. September 2nd, that was a, not just a week before the first set of games. Like, and everyone wondered how it was going to go, and we all know how that went. The Bears' defense has turned around. The offense is going nuts. The team has rallied together. Mm-hmm. They have. Um, let me see here. I, I, I was we were talking about like, can, can one man really make that big of a difference for a team? And in this case, it has. This team has gone by, gone to rallying around Trubisky, their new future quarterback. Now they got now they got their their defensive leader. Their this team has rallied together. Momentum is on their side right now. Bears are a dangerous team right now. Yeah, the the Bears uh, defense is is horrifying, um, and and we were both wrong. Um, the receiving leader last year was Antonio Brown. Uh, that makes sense. Fifteen thirty three. Um, but anyway, no the. Um, I forgot when, when Thielen was leading the league in, in receiving yards. Anyway, he was at right one point. At one point he was. But. Yeah. But um, so we're, we're talking um, – I, I don't think you can argue with him being added to the Bears. I, I, don't, I don't think – I mean, the Bears' defense has become a just horrendous with him there. I mean, they, they've been unstoppable. Um, you saw it as soon as he, he came in to the game against Green Bay. You saw you saw Aaron Rodgers immediately under pressure. Um, he, he's a monster. He's an absolute Khalil Mack. He, he, as soon as he came into the game, it was it was like a, a completely different team came about. You you saw Aaron Rodgers start to pick him apart. Khalil Mack comes walking into the game. Khalil Mack puts an end to that crap real quick. And and you see the Bears just dominating Aaron Rodgers for a majority of that game. And then for whatever reason, they weren't playing Khalil Mack on every down going in the second half because they had that healthy lead. But I, I, he immediately changes their defense. And, and even with him only being there for a couple days, he goes and immediately changes their defense. I, best addition, I, I think, period end out of any team. I think he's the best addition. 100%. Yes. Next one is uh, best story that's already over. It's magic. Yes, <laughs> I hundred percent agree. With this one. I agree. Um, this one's pretty you, much done. You can't even can't even argue that one. Can't even argue it. It's it's over. Fitz magic is done. Where I'm done with his chains. I'm done with his his uh, Conor McGregor look. I, I'm done with his beard. I, I'm done with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think it's time to move on. I think we had an exciting three game run. But I think Jameis Winston takes the reins this game, and he just runs with it, and we're done with it. Best job by a coaching staff? McVay. 
all day. Um, they're saying McVay's the obvious choice, but but the Rams have a phenomenal team. So we're gonna go. They they went a route to where the team's not that great, but the coaching has been good enough to get them by. The Tennessee Titans. They managed to win a game with Blaine Gabbert, and then they managed to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars without scoring a touchdown. The only reason I'm going to say McVay is, and and I understand that they're they're trying to get away from the obvious choice. Um, McVeigh is, is the obvious choice, and the reason I, I think it's clearly McVeigh is because you, if you look at the players that McVeigh has had, um, you know, Robert Woods in Buffalo was garbage. And, and out of nowhere, he shows up and he starts playing great ball. Brandon Cooks was, was a nothing. He showed up, he played well in, in New Orleans, and then he comes over to the Rams and is having just monster year, uh, this monster well, year with well, God. Cooks was, was uh, Michael Thomas good at the Saints. Well, I mean, I, I don't think he was Michael Thomas good. I think Michael Thomas is a little bit better, but I digress. Cooks comes over to the Rams, blows up. Um, look at, at the guys. I mean, Cooper Cup. Who? Cooper Cup? Who's that? You know, I mean, if you would have told me Cooper Cup was going to put up 169 yards on the Vikings, I would have told you you were high. Uh, but he goes out and, and he played, he's been playing great ball. Um, and, and Cooper Cup was a nobody. I mean, let, you're right. let, let's face the facts. He was a nobody. He was a third-round pick in 2017. Uh, he, he had an okay year last year. I mean, and I wouldn't even say it was okay. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know. I, I just Cooper Cup is, has become a monster. So I, I, if you look at McVay and you look at the players he's got, you know, he's got a good defensive scheme, and, and you take a guy like Marcus Peters, who was very middle of the road. Marcus Peters has become a great, great player in that secondary. He, oh, he, he's got this ability to take iffy players. He's kind of like Belichick, where he's got this player, this ability to take players that are iffy and let them go, let them play. And he's doing it. He's playing really well. I like McVay. He's the best coach in this league, hands down right now. And the youngest. Yeah, and the youngest. He's he um, and, and he's he's McVay's got a long career ahead of him. Yep, and he's a little different because of the fact that he's an offensive minded coach, and we don't see that often. For for years and years and years we heard this old adage that defense wins championships. Well bull freaking shit. Is that true? Because we've seen a lot of offensive teams go out and, and win championships, and I believe the Rams are, are one of those teams. But well but the Rams on Pride and Joy is still their defense. The defense did win the Super Bowl this past year. The defense of the Eagles um, dominated the Patriots. I'm not even going to. Last ten years, I'm, no, 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 Still no. dominated this league. I'm putting the brakes on there. The defense of the Eagles didn't dominate the Patriots. I'm just saying the top. No, Eagles no. were a top five defense. Defense was. Were, were they a top five defense? Sure, but yes. I, but at the same time, I believe that their offense. I mean, if this top five. That top five defense. Uh, how many points did they give up? Against the New England Patriots, I don't remember. I, I close to forty. I mean, you're you're nearing forty points against against the Patriots there. Um, so I mean, it, does defense actually win championships? I don't think so. I mean, the 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 realistically, um, I believe that they're they're. I mean, it was forty one to thirty three, and in the 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 what was it the the Eagles special the Philly special whatever they call it that put up big that that was a big deal 
that that gave them the the big lead there. They had they had a lot of offense in that game. I believe that there's these offensively minded coaches. I mean that are, are I mean Nick Foles three seventy three three touchdowns. He only had a pick. Legarrette Blunt ninety yards and a touchdown. Clement had a hundred yards in the damn game for receiving wise. I mean, it was an offensive game. Forty one to thirty three. That's an offensive game. That's the most point. If I'm not mistaken, it was the most points ever scored in the Super Bowl. So I mean, am, am I going to sit here and say defense wins championships? Eh, that's debatable. I mean, if that was the case, the Minnesota Vikings would have been sitting in that Super Bowl. But but the the reality here. Well, the defense failed them in the season. Well, the offense have failed them too. They only put up seven points. But I digress. Like I said, defense isn't always the factor that that wins championships. And and I I don't feel like that's that's the biggest factor. I hear all this defense wins championships nonsense, and that's what it is. It's nonsense. Are there going to be years where defense wins a championship? Sure, it, it happened with with your boys the Ravens. But and, and not that year. With, Maybe 2000. With Trent Dilfer sitting there? With the Trent Dilfer year? Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. I mean, that, that they won a championship. But but do I really believe that defense wins? No, I don't believe defense wins championships. Not all the time. And I believe this is an offensive-minded league, and I believe that the offenses are, are going to be what wins your championships 99 times out of 100. Going on here, it says, uh, there is no argument that the, that the Rams are the most complete team in the NFC. They're the best team in the NFL, period. Yes. But the best team and most complete team in the AFC is the Baltimore Ravens. This, I, now, this is an article of NFL. Um, this is tough. I mean, you get, you get like the Patriots, you got the Chiefs. I think what maybe puts the... the um, I, I'm not going to say the Ravens are the best team in the AFC, but I will say the Ravens are the most complete team in the AFC because of defense. Patriots and the Chiefs, two other teams I would really consider to be, well, and, and uh, Bengals for that matter, teams that you could really consider to be the best, the, the, the most complete team in the AFC. Um, Chiefs and Patriots in particular, their defenses are shaky, very shaky. Well, let's look at the Chiefs first and foremost. The Chiefs, I agree with you, they're an offensive team. Chiefs against the Chargers, they put up 28, then they put up, the, the Steelers put up 37. Then the Niners put up 27, and then the Broncos put up 23. That's a shaky defense. I agree with you. I don't. I don't think the Chiefs are the most complete team, but I think they could very well top the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I think the Ravens have the most complete team in the AFC. Yes, I agree with it 100. Um, percent But I, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team. Are the best team because yep, I, of the fact that their offense is just so potent. Yeah. Um, Ravens have the most complete team. If you're talking all rounded by far. Yes. But the Chiefs are the best team of the AFC. Yes, I agree with that, and and I think the Chiefs and, have. And, and that's only because Ravens have that real potent defense. And they, they were taking earlier. The Ravens have a top five offense right now, which I'm sure that like right at five. And by comparison, I don't I don't know that I can sit there and, and count the Bills game where the Bills only put up three points. But you know the Ravens twenty three points. Uh, the, or I'm sorry, 30, they had the Bengals put thirty four on it. But then after that, you had. The Broncos and the Steelers both only managed to put up 14 points in the last two weeks. So, I mean... And, and a big-time thing there is in, in uh, four games in, in the second half, no team has scored a touchdown. Yes. So I, I think I, I would actually agree with you that the, the Ravens are the, the most well-rounded and, team in the AFC right now. And, and sure, there's a lot to say that, that, the, that the Bengals put up so many points in the first half and stuff, but 
What's the one thing that people always complain about about certain teams when it comes to games? Closing games. Yep. Ravens are closing games. Yes, they are. They are. They're closing games and they're shutting down teams. Yeah, biased guy, but but no turnovers in the second half. Um, commentators and and professionals they they complain all the time about finishing games, playing sixty minutes. Mm -hmm. The Ravens are proving that the that the back half they're playing harsher football and, and. more and more shut down and, and get the job done. And that's when teams, that's when a lot of teams tend to uh, tire out and, and start allowing big plays. Oh, you're such a fanboy. But moving on, <laughs> worst luck, the Falcons. 100% agree. The Falcons have been putting up points every week, 30, 30 plus points, yet they're sitting here at 1 and 3. Yes. Um, terrible luck. I think this might be the schedule they've had. And, and facing these potent offenses, that they face the Saints, they face the Bengals. Uh, I can't think of the other two. I'm sure you can uh, pull uh, it up on your fancy computer. Worst luck in the NFL. Um, I think right now, if you're you're talking about the most unlucky team in the NFL, I think you're talking partially the Minnesota Vikings. I think that that they have Kirk Cousins, especially the last two weeks. Kirk Cousins puts up 31 points, has a great game. They still get beat by by the uh, the Rams. I think you know they get dominated by the Buffalo Bills of all teams, uh, a team that that just spanked them for for. And, and that was more poor play. Now, I, and this is why I put Falcons so higher is because Falcons have played good ball every week. Yeah, I, I mean, and and I don't even know that it was just poor play on the the part of the Vikings when when they were taking on uh, the Bills. I mean, the, everybody expected the Bills to just get spanked in that game. And and getting dominated by the Bills in that fashion, yeah, I, I think I think the Vikings could be talked about um, in that. But, but you did put the entire Vikings team. On the team. <laughs> I, they they you can't say they got unlucky with the Bills. They played poorly. I, I don't know. I, I I think the Bills had a after the Bills came out this week and and played the way that they played. I think they had a lucky week. <laughs> I'm gonna say that they probably had a lucky week. Um, and every team, ha every dog has its day. Uh, it can be talked about. I, I agree with you that, that Atlanta is probably the, worst, the the most unlucky team with all the points they've been putting up. The I same put time. Minnesota at number two, but I think you're talking Atlanta just through. They they just like Matt Ryan's been in my top five for two two times, and they're losing games, putting up four hundred plus yards in an offense. Uh, on, on, in the past game, yep. What's happening? I, I, is it just bad luck in the Is this, is their schedule just harder early on? Here? Or just bad defense? That too. The, the Atlanta defense has been notoriously not great. So that's high part of it. Yep. I mean, they're they're they they need some work here. They they definitely need some work, and they got injuries on defense too. I mean, we got to remember um, Atlanta had the, their safety go down. So I mean, it, it makes a. a a big issue here. All right, I'm getting towards the end here. Okay. Um, but I think these are some good topics here. It's a good article. Um, panicking fan base that should relax. The Philadelphia Eagles. No, I think you should panic right now. Well, well, yes and no. I think you're in a division that's been notoriously not great, and to win that division, you're gonna you're not gonna have to put that up that many wins. So the Eagles are still in okay shape, but I, I think uh, Wentz needs to really get back to himself. He started to this week, but they, there's still a lot of work to be done. I don't think you're talking Philadelphia. I think I think Philadelphia has, is notoriously um, 
they're notoriously good. I, I think you're you're actually talking Minnesota Vikings again. I, I think you can put Minnesota. You can almost, you can put Minnesota and and Falcons in the spot. Yes, both those guys that, that, that won their divisions. That are panicking that shouldn't. I think Vikings and and Falcons are still going to make the playoffs. Minnesota had a uh, they have a very tough schedule early on, um, outside of the Bills, which they should have won. But if you if you look at, at early on, they they took on the Niners, then they had the Pack, and the Pack they they could have beaten the Pack, and they they tied. Um, they get dominated by the Bills. They have a strong showing against the Rams. But if you look at their next few games, next three, you got Vikings and Eagles, which I think the Vikings can very well beat the Eagles this upcoming week if they if they handle it correctly. Um, and, and a lot of people do think, you know, they, they're getting ready to take on the Cardinals the following week, which should be a surefire win. They're taking on the Jets the following week. That should be a win. And then they have a rough go against the Saints. And then they take on the Lions. I, I honestly, I think the Vikings the next couple of weeks are, are going to kind of dig themselves out of the cellar there. Um, but, you know, down the schedule, I mean, they do have the Seahawks. That's a surefire win almost. You, you got the Dolphins, which should be a surefire win. You, I, I believe that they'll beat the Lions at least one time. I believe that they'll beat the Bears at least one time. I think that they'll beat the Packers uh, in that upcoming game. So do the Vikings pull themselves out of the depths? I think so. Um and I think that they, unless Tom Brady, you know, plays every week like he did this past week, I think they're going to beat the Patriots uh, in December as well. I mean, so the Vikings, I mean, do a lot. I think the Vikings, you're, I'm unnecessarily panicked right now. I, I told you last week that I feel like they're going to go 5-11. and 11, um, But they played really well against the Rams, and they kind of stood up, and, and I expected them to get trounced by the Rams, and they didn't. So it, it, was, it was just a... Um, it, are we still in panic mode? We're a little shaky. Yeah, we're on shaky ground. I want to see if they can come out and, and get the job done. Panicking fan base that should be panicking. The Pittsburgh Steelers. I agree on this. This team is dysfunctional right now. The defense is shitty, and Ben's not playing great. They had the whole Bell situation. Brown's not getting along. And no one on this team seems to be on the same page. Um, Man, uh... I agree that, that the Steelers are, are kind of panicked right now. I think they have every reason to be panicked right now. Um, I, I think you, right now you're, you're talking Arizona because we're 0-4. But to me that's expected. I, I didn't expect that. That's the thing. I, I didn't expect that. I expected Arizona to come out and at least win one of their first four. At least. And they're 0-4. They're and they, they put up six points in, in one game. I mean, they, they didn't score a touchdown until week three. Am I wrong? True. I mean, if I'm an Arizona Cardinals fan, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not feeling very comfortable, and, and I'd be freaking out too. So I, I think the, the Cardinals are, are the team that should be panicking right now. Um, I mean, the other team that I think should be panicking right now is in that same division, the 49ers, uh, with the loss of Garoppolo. Um I think they have every reason to be panicked. Best revival act that deserves more attention. Marshawn Lynch. Oh, On pace for 1,200 yards. Yeah, I can see it. 130-yard breakup game against the Browns. Um, Lynch is still playing good. I, I'd agree no one's really talking about him. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I can kind well, of agree I, with it. You know, like, despite the team being really bad, uh, I think you're talking... I'm going I'm to go guys who... Aren't in your spotlight, so Gurley doesn't count. Those guys don't count. I think you're talking to Andrew Luck. Luck would be one. 
Um, I'm going to talk about 49ers. Despite all the bad luck, Kettle and Beretta. Yep. The, this, the shining light of how of, of the bad luck they've had with losing Garoppolo. These guys are still playing good ball, even even with backup quarterback. Yep. Kittle, Kittle is is kind of having himself uh, an interesting year, and another guy I wanted to talk about now now that I'm I'm we're, we're talking about it, um, Philip Rivers, flying under the radar, he's having a good year, um, he's having a very Philip Rivers year, but well, well very, very Philip Rivers year is flying under the radar. He yeah. always does. But but I mean, if you look at his his week one showing, four hundred and twenty four yards, three touchdowns. And then we go to his week two showing. 23 for 27, 256, three touchdowns. And then we look at his showing against the Rams. 18 for 32, 26, two touchdowns. He, he gets it in no picks. I mean, he's, he's throwing the ball accurately. And, and nobody seems to be talking about how Phillip Rivers is doing. 25 for 39, three touchdowns. He's, he's getting in the end zone. He's making accurate throws. He's spreading the ball around. He's getting Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, Tyrell Williams all involved. Um, he's getting his no-name Austin Eckler involved and he making him a red zone threat. I think we're talking Phillip Rivers, to be honest with you. I mean, that's a good call. Yeah. I, I mean, I like Phillip Rivers. And, and you know, he's, he's quietly having himself a great year. Got two more for you, and then we'll go into to the – Predictions. Mm -hmm. Most underrated 2017 rule change: shortening overtime. No one's talking about this, but it's such a big deal. Two two ties in two weeks, and then you, then you come into week four, and, and then you have another game that, in all reality, should have been in the tie, but the Colts um, coach decided to uh, go for it. Go yep. for it. And, and cause the, the easy field goal for Texas. But you're, you're talking about the potential having th should have had three ties in three weeks, and that, but we're actually at two. Um, the the uh, drop to ten minutes is, is proving to have a big effect. We, we touched base on this, and, and I'm proud of the fact that nobody's talking about it, and we are. We actually talked about this uh, um, when we had our second tie of the year um, with the Vikings-Green Bay game. The rule needs to change for the better. Um, the, the rule needs to change so we're extending overtime to a double overtime and then we're talking ties. But the, the rule's got to change. You can't just condense it to a 10-minute thing. You, and, and I understand the field goal is a cheap way to win and you want to have the other team be able to respond. That's fine. But then after that sudden death, okay, I get it. I'm okay with that. But you need to extend it to a double overtime because after two possessions – you could see all that clock burned out. You got to extend overtime. I, I can agree with what they're saying that we're not talking enough about overtime. We talked about it. Nobody else is. Everybody seems to be talking about this uh, falling on the quarterback rule, um, which also needs to be changed. But um, realistically, uh, I, I agree with with your article there. Now I disagree on like how college does it, where you get the ball at thirty five automatically. Oh, I hate that. But. The concept is right. Give give each team a guaranteed drive. If you turn it over, sure, but you get on your own twenty, not the not, not the not the opponent's damn thirty-five. Right, right, right. I, I kind of I the, my problem is is I don't I don't like the the college rules. Um, I, I believe in in good old fashioned full field 
uh, playing football with kickoffs and everything. Um, I, I believe that, that you should play the game as is. I, I do believe that you should be extending that, that um, to a second overtime for 10 minutes. Um, it, to me, it makes sense, and, and then you just play out the game as is. I, I don't like this this stopping at 10 minutes, though. At drive, we've seen drives go, what, seven, eight, nine minutes in the past? Yeah. I mean, so team goes seven, eight, nine minutes and then kicks a field goal. The other team has, what, one minute to respond? It's not a fair, it's not a realistic, fair approach. Uh, I, I don't buy this, and and I, I don't buy the, um, uh, the the overtime rule. I think you extend it to a double overtime. It's much more fair. It's much more reasonable. Double overtime, 10 minutes each. For, for each quarter, that's that's reasonable. And the last one, we won't touch on this too much because we've talked about it a lot in the last couple shows, so you all know our opinion already. But I think we can just agree this is a, this is a buy. Um, the worst NFL problem is the roughing the passer penalty packages. Right now, it is. Hundred percent. Yeah, this is this has been a big issue. We have talked about it in the last three shows since we've not brought it up again. Um, but. This is a known issue. The league knows this is an issue. The fans know it's an issue. Everyone knows this is an issue. Nobody, and this, this is something that needs to be fixed. Um, yeah, it, the, we, we've been talking about this for a while. Um, the, the roughing the passing penalty is, is just, it's a disaster. I mean, the, the whole thing is a freaking disaster. Um, it, week one, you had 15 of those. Um, week two, you had six, week three, you had 12, week four, you had five. Um, it, it's been up and down, but it's been too many already. Um, I understand that the league is trying to protect quarterbacks. I understand that the, I understand their choice of, of trying to, to do something with the collective bargaining agreement, just to kind of say, well, we tried to protect the guys because all these guys are asking for insurance and concussion stuff and whatever else. But the reality here is that the rule is bad and it needs to be changed? It needs to be fixed. That's the truth. And and that's the last article. I, I thought that was really good. Yeah, it's a, a, lot, it's a lot of good, hard hitting subjects there. And talking about. Yep, but now we're, we've we've got uh, our predictions here. What are what are our standings here, Tyler? I know I made a bunch of bad ones. Yeah, last week you had it rough. So you you got it within a game, but then uh, you you, you what, took some hundred dollars and they didn't pan out. Um, I I went eleven and four last week and. So we had the buys now, so it was only mm-hmm. 15 games with 16. I went 11 and 4, and you went uh, 8 and 7. Youch. You lost a few games there. So I am at 35, 26 and 2, and you were at 31, 30 and 2. Well, that's not too bad. Nope, you're, you're not, really not too shabby. Season, but we're still not doing great. Yeah, no, not at all. Not by any means. Um, so starting off with our, our predictions, um, week 5, moving forward here, Tyler. Um, let's start it off. Colts and Patriots. Uh, after watching the Patriots, what they did this week, I or last week, I'm I'm going to the Patriots here, especially at home. That's where I'm headed. I'm I'm going with the Patriots at Gillette. I I think that they're just gonna um they're they're gonna squeak one out, but I think they're gonna pull one out. Um, Broncos at the Jets. I'm going Denver. I'm going Denver. I I, I think you're you're kind of dumb not to go Denver. Um, in that situation, even with the Jets being at home. This one will be uh, probably one of your games of the week. The Packers and the Lions. Um, the Lions have the best passing defense in the league right now. Um, the Packers have arguably the best quarterback to play the game. 
I'm going Packers. I, I think I'm going Packers as well. I believe the Packers uh, uh, take down the Lions this week. Uh, Lions lost a close one to, to Dallas, but the Packers are not the Cowboys. Um, Panthers and the Giants in what will probably be your blowout of the week. Um, the, the Panthers are coming off a bye, um, and the, the Panthers already shown in the first three games of the season that they're playing good ball. They, they beat one of the better teams in the league right now, being the Bengals technically right now. So yes. uh, I, I'm going Panthers here 100%. I'm going Panthers as well. Um, this one will be, it, it could be good, it could be bad. You're going to see the Titans and the Bills. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to say take the Titans. I'm taking Titans too. Yep. Um, I, I don't think the Titans are as good as the record says. Yes, I, I, I don't think, they're, think their, down, their downfall starts now. No, I don't think their downfall starts now, and I definitely don't think it starts against the, uh, the Buffalo Bills. Um, next up, we've got uh, the Falcons and the Steelers. <laughs> the way that defense has been... And the way that I know that Falcons offense can play, but both defenses have been bad. Yes, they both, have. both defenses. You're about. I mean, this could probably be the most fun game of the of the night. Well, actually, if if what you call fun is high scoring, then sure. I mean, you're it's I a, mean, a good a good defensive battle where it's, where both teams score under. Yeah, because you're you're a, a you're just a big Ravens fan and you love Ray Lewis and you love everything defense. I, I didn't say anything. I, yeah, I, I, I like well, I'm just gonna go ahead and draw the assumption there because I know exactly what you're getting at. With with the dysfunction, I'm taking the Falcons. <laughs> with that, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and take the Falcons as well. I think that they're gonna they're gonna top that Steelers defense. Um, they they just can't stop anything. This one is gonna be an interesting one though. The Browns and the Ravens. Yeehaw. And a lot of people immediately jump to, oh, yep, Ravens won, yep, yep, yep. But I'm taking the Cleveland Browns. But the Browns are a lot better of a team, a lot better of a team than last year. Yes. The, and and what a lot of people who, who don't follow all the divisions closely don't realize is the Browns also notoriously play the division Very super hard. tough. Um, it, it's it, it's unbel- it's unbelievable. Um, but. I think uh, Baker Mayfield's gonna is gonna run into a brick wall coming into a top five defense. I think he's gonna. I think he, he's coming. He, he he faces the Raiders and only put in the two hundred. I think he's gonna hit this Raven defense with the returning Jimmy Smith, and he's gonna get hit hard. And the Browns aren't gonna, aren't are not gonna throw are, are not gonna have more than fourteen points. I'm I'm calling the Browns here. I think the it's Browns. The yep, I, I think the Browns blow up. Um, I I think Baker Mayfield. Showed he's capable of putting up 42 points even against a, a rough Raiders defense. Um, I, I think I think Baker Mayfield showed he's capable. I, I think that the Browns defense is something to behold. We everybody discounts the Browns defense here. Nobody oh, th- no no Browns no, defense is top ten. Nobody's thinking about the Browns defense. And and when I see the Browns defense, uh, I see a team that that uh, could give Joe a run for his money. I like the Cleveland Browns here, and I'm going with them. I think they're going to play him hard like they normally do. I, I call the Browns to win that one. Uh, next up, you got Bengals and the Dolphins. I'm going with the Bungles. I was going to say, I believe that the Dolphins' free fall continues. Yep. And the Bengals are going to continue to wreak havoc, and they're going to they're going to wreck the Dolphins. I'm going with the Bungles here. I, I, I mean, it's going to be a fun one. I, I'm excited for that one. Um, the next one could be your game of the week. No, this is definitely the game of the week. Man, I'm excited for the Chiefs' offense versus the. Jaguars defense. Yep, Chiefs and Jags. Um, I'm still going Chiefs here. That's where I'm headed. 
I, I think uh, Mahomes, even though he, he came off of a rough week, he still put up 27 points against the vaunted uh, Denver Broncos defense. Uh, I, I'm going Chiefs. I am going Jaguars. Wow. And the reason being, so the, the big story, obviously, is going to be the Jags defense versus the Chiefs offense. That's the story. Yeah. Um, but the thing is here is the Chiefs defense has not been great. Mahomes has had to put up, um, the season he's had, he's had to have that season because of how piss poor that defense has been. I think that's going to be enough of a bad defense for Blake Bortles to uh, really tear it up and, and throw through the air and, and get the job done. I'm going Jacksonville. Oof, that's a good one. That'll be a good game. Uh, next up, we got the Chargers and the Raiders. Interdivisional matchup there. I love Derek Carr. But I'm going to the Chargers all the way. I'm going to the Chargers as well. I think uh, uh, Rivers, he, he's off to the hottest start he's ever had in for in the first four games. Um, and, and statistically, it's it's legit. I, I'm, I think Rivers is going to come out firing on all cylinders. He's going to tear that Raiders defense apart. Um, and the Chargers actually have a halfway decent defense as well. So I, I'm, I'm going Chargers here. Um, next up, this one will be a close one. The, uh, at least I think it will. On paper, it looks like it. The Vikings and the Eagles. Um, hopefully, it's much closer than the NFC title game from last season. Um, this one's a little tough. I'm going on 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 a revenge coming coming through here. I'm going Vikings, and I'm going Vikings as well. I, I think uh, Kirk Cousins is going to come out firing here, um, and he's going to he's going to be doing what Kirk Cousins has done all season long. I like what Cousins has been pulling out of the hat here, and, and um, he's just an exciting quarterback to watch lately, I, I think. Um, so I think he's going to be tearing them up. Um, next up we got... Now here's your blowout of the week. Yeah, it could be. It could very well be. The Rams and the Seahawks, a divisional matchup there. Uh, obviously Rams. Rams, Rams, Rams. Rams. Yep. Um, I, I like them. This one, it, it, it's your toilet bowl matchup of the week. Uh, the Cardinals and the Niners. Man, a few years ago, this would have been a really good game. Yeah, a few years ago, but but now we're talking Cards, Niners, and in, in the the toilet bowl matchup. I'm going with the Niners. I'm going with the home team and, and Kettle and Beretta. I think they help, they help. the fact that they're home is the, is kind of the main reason I'm going. I'll give the edge here. That's where I'm going. Four Niners. Yep, Niners. I'm, I'm going with the Niners as well. Now, next up, you got the Cowboys and the Texans. Um, Texans coming off of a big overtime win. Um, Cowboys coming off of a, a come-from-behind victory against the old lie-downs and the field goal win. I'm going Texans here. And and the reason I'm going Texans is I, I think that the, the passing game uh, kind of blows up again. Um, they had a great passing attack this past game. And uh, I believe in, in Houston, is we, we were talking last week about how they're going to come out of the cellar and they're going to start you know pushing forward, and they were one of the teams that I felt were going to come forward and come out of the cellar. I believe the Houston Texans come out of the cellar a little more and they beat the Dallas Cowboys. I'm also taking Texans at this point. Wow. I'm just kidding. Um, and then the, uh, the last game of the week, Monday Night Football on the 8th here, 8-15, the Washington Redskins. Take it on the New Orleans Saints. Saints, 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 and Saints. Saints all day. Um, the Redskins have a good defense. Uh, I can I can definitely hand that to them. The Redskins have been playing, uh, but they're very middle of the road um, all around, I think. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the Saints there. 
Um, not many differences in mine and your selections this week. Two. Two. Man, that's that's a sad day. So you got the Browns and I got the Ravens, and then uh, you got the Chiefs and the Jaguars. Yeah. So I mean, we got we got some good opportunities there. I got a chance to try and come back a little bit. You can gain two. Yeah. So. Um, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you so much for listening to the Outside Blitz. Just want to take a quick minute to give a shout out to uh, one of our sponsors. It's your time massage. Um, come uh, get your wonderful massage. Remember, it's your time. Amanda, she specializes in deep tissue Swedish and Swedish massages. Um, you, you can come on out and uh, get a, an amazing massage, get an amazing experience. Um, she's absolutely wonderful. I got a massage over there for the first time and I could stand up straight for the first time in forever. And, and that's coming from two guys who are professional wrestlers. Um, so, I mean, it, definitely check it out at, uh, it's your time massage. You can find her on Facebook or IYTmassage.com. Also, um, big shout out to our executive producer, Jordan J. Scavone. Thank you so much for all you do. Check out Jordan's books, The Mud Princess and Be Mighty. Two wonderful children's books. Um, they are uh, absolutely outstanding. I would definitely uh, uh, recommend them to anybody um, who has children. Um, beyond that, Tyler, I, I think we're good to go. That's I think a wrap. We're good to go. That's a wrap. This was a long segment here on the second half. That's okay. We, we back read that, that article that went way longer than that. Yeah, ago. We, we went an hour 45 on this back half, Tyler. Jesus. Look what you did. This is all your fault. I'm yelling at you. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, anyway, folks, thank you so much for listening to the Outside Blitz. Um, uh, once again, for Tyler, Dean, and uh, myself, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com. <laughs>